We bought a we 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 bought we 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 this right. usually happens. We just start doing it. We're like, hey, we could just do something like this. And then we just do it. And then we're starting. And then Eris has been recording this whole time. Yeah. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. And that's why everyone loves us. You know? Episode just... 24. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. All right. I'm at... Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm Kugler Drew Dietzen. <laughs> and joining us... Back again, making his return, is Mr. Harry Sayer. I'm back. I'm glad to be here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We are talking Coogler today. We're discussing uh, two of his films. Um, one about a boxer. One about a uh, you know young boy. And then one about some sort of feline creature so is that how you would describe fruitvale station is it's a it's a story about a young boy it's a coming of age story so by two do you mean three (laughs) oh yeah yeah okay see no for me for me black panther is more of like a a disney product it's not a kugler film (laughs) all right but uh yeah this is gonna be a kugler heavy ep uh, but we have a couple other things that we want to get to. Um, so first, a little bit of news. We have Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. being offered and accepting a $300 million deal from Netflix. His Fox contract is over. $300 million. $300 million. That's money. fucking crazy. And it's probably money well spent because he's just about the biggest name you could draw for uh, producing television right now. And he does... Netflix is trying to do everything. He does everything. He's done like everything he's done. It's been completely varied and different, and it's been a cultural phenomenon. Like he, oh yeah. He Even if if it varies in quality, yeah, well, it's always like exactly. Netflix doesn't really care how critics feel all the time. Like Glee was like the biggest thing in the world when it came out, whether or not critics liked it. And then now he puts out like prestige products, like they're nothing. Like he's, he can he's shown that he can do a lot of different. Kind shit. of a one man content farm in a lot of ways. Exactly, he's always doing something. Yeah, though. and he's he's been a fox uh, fuck boy for a long time. But then <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't a fan of. I read he wasn't a fan of their whole Disney transition. Yeah, um, and, I think that's what did it. Yeah, because yeah. he like he had been quoted in the past as being like, I'm going to get buried on the lot at Fox when I die. <laughs> so he, yeah, he must have really not liked what they were doing. And Netflix was like, hey, do you want like s- way too much money? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm excited for it because now with Netflix, that means that he can take more risks on things because the problem is now like, um, I mean, he was working on FX before, but now he's making that uh, show for Fox right now. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. 911. I knew it was something... Uh, like, lonely, 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 lonely. Yeah, call me sometimes. Yeah, that. <laughs> is that the one with, uh, with Angela Bassett? Is that the? Yeah, she's yeah. like a hard ass cop. Yeah, but oh, I knew boy. he was making that now, and I always was kind of wondering, okay, like, what's the whole point of this if they're getting sold to Disney? Because they've been talking about a deal far before it got broke to the media and everything else. They've been kind of working out the semantics, specifically of, with Netflix. 
No, no, no. I was talking about Disney and Fox before oh, right, their right, deal right. came about. So I didn't really understand what the point of making this huge budget show on Fox was if it's eventually just going to be like, oh, yeah, now you can catch it on your Disney streaming service. Yeah. So, like, I didn't really understand that. So it makes sense that he's kind of looking for a way out. But Netflix also, you can take more risks. You can have, like, blood and more risque things that you can't show on network TV. Well, see, I think that... um we have to keep in mind that this deal isn't going to go into effect for at least two years, year and a half at the very like shortest amount of time. So shows like American Crime Story, American Horror Story, like they're going to keep going. They're mm. not ending anytime soon. Hooray. So we may start to see uh, Ryan Murphy Netflix content soon, but he's still going to be working with Fox. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, this is a big loss specifically for FX, though, because he's been giving them some really prestige stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really kind of they've been making a name for themselves, you know, not completely because of him, but he was adding a lot to their content list. He kickstarted a lot of their their programming back like was it 2010 was that when american horror story started yeah or? exactly yeah like, FX that sounds right really 10 years ago fx really wasn't shit like they they really were kind of a rerun in a movie channel like yeah. my growing up my whole life and then yeah american horror story was the one that gave them the money kind of like amc with breaking bad where it's like okay now we have some programming money yeah, it, FX had some stuff. They had The Shield and ah. The Shield. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> hey, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Always Sunny, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's, I mean, that's true. That's never going to be a big, yeah. big money maker. Oh, of course not, but it's still not to be great. But um, I... I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I. I hope that this means that we'll get better content because Ryan Murphy for me, a lot of his stuff is very hit or miss. Um, I'm really into uh, mostly the miss. I would yeah, say. I would say yeah. it's mostly yeah. miss. But wherever he hits, he fucking hits. But they're so, like, popular. When we look at the People versus mm -hmm. OJ. Oof, or and good. now with uh, American Crime Story Versace, like he's shown that he can make great. Uh, great prestige TV that some of the best stuff that's on right now. Is Versace good? I have not seen Versace it. Versace is great. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Wild. It's not, I don't know if it's as good as People versus OJ. It's different but though. But it is very yeah. different. It's not trying to do the same and thing. And that's what I appreciate for it, is that also, it feels like it's old story. I, I was reading about this and I kind of agree. I feel like People versus OJ might be better for our generation because we didn't just completely watch everything that happened. So like the karaoke aspects of it are kind of lost on us. Where like older, I've read opinions from older people online who are like, like, well, this is just a lot of it's just exactly what happened. So mm. it's like, well, you're talking about OJ. Yeah, yeah, OJ. Yeah. So with Versace, yeah. people don't really. Yeah, like, nobody knows. That yeah, no one knows story. that story. But, but even the people that live through the whole uh, Versace, um, you know, this Andrew Quinnon yeah. guy murder spree, like they're watching the show. A, a lot of them are kind of obsessing over how much of this act is actually That's true. That's the thing. And but to us, it's like. I don't care. Well, I also think I haven't seen OJ uh, to my great regret, but I I would I would venture to guess that they are fictionalizing a lot more in Versace than they even can in OJ because everything in OJ was written yep. down by a literal yeah. court reporter. Yeah. All right. So you guys have any other thoughts on this? Yeah. Ryan Murphy is just he is the definition of hit and miss. So much so that I I really don't really care much about what he does until i see it like that's very true american horror story like he he's there are great seasons of that show and there are some seasons that 
I hate more Art than anything horrible. on the planet. That, see, really that show bad. is very, it's, it's kind of so like a cross weird. section of his entire career. Yeah. Because it's like within the same show, it can be good and bad. Like, I would say even, I would say within the same season of a show, yeah. then, mm-hmm. because like you look at a lot, like, especially in the earlier on seasons, like um, in one and two, the first parts of that show, like you're watching the first half of it and you're like, this is awesome. This is so good. And then they have to put like some big twist they or something in there. Out his and seasons. It, it just totally like just drops. It falls off. Of the cliff, he's very, he's very audacious and he's always trying to go for that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There was an yeah. episode in season, I think, uh, six, it's one of my favorite moments in television ever, where uh, there's a, a, a character who's like a human voodoo doll and like she can't be killed, basically. That's what she's saying. And uh, the guy, the guy that's in all the seasons, the uh, the, the sad white dude. Evan Peters. Evan Peters. Accurate. He's playing in season six. He's playing like a like a 1950s billionaire with like a tiny mustache, and he's a ghost, and oh. he just he talks like this. And there's this part where he <laughs> he stabs and he kills the uh, the the human human view to go to and she goes, "You can't do that. I'm a witch." And he goes, "You might be a witch, but I'm a ghost." And I'm like that Yo. is um, that's Ryan Murphy to me. Oh, like boy. just just crazy shit like yeah, that. Yeah, he he goes balls to the wall. Yeah, like I mean, a lot of the the shows that I don't see, like even. 911 that mm-hmm. just premiered or feud they a lot of the appeal is that whole eccentric just out there crazy yeah, shit yeah. and that's why people like it and at the end of the day he is hit and miss for probably both crowds because he does do critical shit and then mass appeal shit but if you're an executive he's hit and hit that's yeah. both a hit <laughs> i think we can all agree that like for him more creativity will probably be better than less so you know more power to them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To it. All right. So uh, now we're going to talk about some albums yes. that we've been listening Fine. to. Lots of new releases. Yeah. 2018 had been pretty quiet so far, but we had three big ones this week. Um, so what, three great ones. Yeah. I would what, say. Do, what do you think about? Because I have some thoughts about the new right, car seat so, headrest. What do so, you think, Hunter? Uh, car seat headrest just re-released their first album that uh, Will Toledo ever recorded. Uh, Twin uh, Fantasy. It was it was like the third. I'm pretty sure. Well, it was like it, it was. It his was the first, first big one. one. Yeah, it was the first one that actually like got him some kind of notice. Yeah. Um, and I always really loved uh, Twin Fantasy, mm-hmm. just listening back to it. It's extremely lo-fi, the original recording, which I love. It just sounds like it was made in a garage mm-hmm. just by a group of people with shitty, like it was recorded yeah. on fucking GarageBand Except or something. it wasn't even a group either. It was Exactly, it Will. was just Will, which is even more impressive. Yeah. But now listening to uh, the remastered album that they've released is, I I love this album. I think that this it's album so is... so good. I yeah. think this album is if it's not just if it's not better than uh teens of denial i think that it's right there in the same yeah playing field i would say it's up there at first i was bothered by this entire premise because i'm a huge fan of car seat headrest and twin fantasy is one of my favorite albums ever mm-hmm. the original he were just to say how amazing it is he wrote and recorded this whole album when he was 19 years old oh my god and it's it's like a, it's a garage rock masterpiece. I'm a big fan of garage rock in general as an intentional choice to go lo-fi instead of like having no choice. Mm. So here's the analogy I came up with as to why I was bothered at first. It's kind of like if the people who made Blair Witch were like, yeah, but it was only found footage because that was all we had. We had one camera. <laughs> so now we're going to remake it with three cameras and a bigger budget. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, but I liked it, you know? It, it just kind of, I was like, but I thought that was kind of intentional that it was lo-fi and garagey. Um, so some songs on the remaster kind of bother me because 
it loses some of that appeal. Yeah, it, some some work better as garage rock, mm-hmm. and then others I can see why he wanted to re-record them mm-hmm. because he added layers and depth to them and different instruments, synthesizers, and he utilized that he has an actual band now who are better at playing instruments than he is. I I agree with that for um. At least I, there was one song in particular on here, "High to Death," which I think almost worked better in its original recording, just yeah. as so so lo-fi. Like it just sounded like you were listening to noise at points, which <laughs> I love. I love that kind of shit. But then we have a song like "Beach Life and Death," which I think that the recording. I'm so happy that they re-recorded, despite it still keeps that same really noisy, garagey sound. But um, I just I love the way that the layers that this song has. You can really yeah. appreciate it. And Beach Life and Death, uh, Nervous Young Inhumans, and even uh, Famous Prophets, yeah. quote-unquote stars. Some, like, I think that this album gets goes higher than um, the original Twin Fantasy, but also the lows are kind of lower. It, it was kind of hit and mit- I wish that they had kept the original Twin Fantasy on Spotify. They took it off, because what I would have done is made a playlist of my ideal, like picking from yeah. both albums, choosing which song I like better. They removed the original for them. That's yeah. very weird. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a life of Pablo on, type thing. Is yeah. it still on Bandcamp? Um, I think it's on Bandcamp. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna download it now. But I mean, this uh, the original Twin Fantasy is a Bandcamp darling. I mean, the, exactly. Car Seat got big because of the appeal of just being yeah. able to access this on Bandcamp, and and I could never really get into it. I I thought it was way too lo-fi for my taste, and I would much rather listen to something that's a lot more polished and layered, like this new version. I, I don't know this band, but I'm just picturing like the album equivalent of like sticking like CG critters in the original Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> just no, I, I recommend weird. you you check out Car Seat yeah, yeah. Headrest because if if you're into just um, kind of like I I don't want to say whiny, but like just very. <laughs> emotional yeah. sort of yeah honest uh, he's an emotional yeah, baby boy uh modern punk yeah it's like an evolution of punk that's okay. very yeah uh, you know in tune with your emotions and i would say okay, um yeah. one thing i will say about this album is i don't know if it's a the best jumping off point for the band i no. feel like teens of denial yeah, definitely like if, you, if i if i was gonna like be like hey you should check out carsey headrest i would show you teens of denial first yeah and if you got into that then i would show you twin fantasy yeah teens of denial it's it's their first uh album with an entire band will toledo since 2010 or so has been recording albums all on his own he recorded about 12 albums so he is he's crazy um and there were years where he would come out with like four albums yes (laughs) so then he got an actual band in 2015 he releases teens of style which is uh taking what he did now he took a bunch of old songs from old albums and re-recorded them with the band and then he puts out teens of denial which is it's incredible it's not garage rock anymore it's drawing from so many different types of rock that there's going to be something that you like in there okay like, cool it's got like but, sounds interesting yeah led zeppelin beatles the cars like talking heads mm-hmm. it's just got kind of a little bit of everything but his there. his voice is very particular so it's just <laughs> one of those bands where like you hear him sing and you're like oh yeah car seat headrest like, like, yes. like billy corgan particular or yeah yeah like, like that or uh, like listen to like the strokes yeah or like something julian like that yeah there's a lot okay. of strokes in the dna yeah okay cool i, um, I think that with this remake he scratched an itch. Uh, it, it, you could tell that it was bothering him that he really <laughs> thought that these songs could be better yeah. with like professional production. So hopefully, now that he scratched that itch, he'll make new music <laughs> move and on. move forward with like bold yeah. new Which, stuff. Speaking cool. of that, okay, so going like after like listening to it, figuring out like how much I love this re-recording, I was just just on Google. I just googled Twin Fancy, 
And here's a fun factoid for you guys. Um, did you know that Car Seat Headrest and Smash Mouth are working on something together? Yes, I did. Not only that, Smash Mouth <laughs> covered one of Car Seat Headrest's songs I something know. soon. Yeah, they, they have like a little it's, Twitter bromance and it's adorable. It's, just oh. like, it's so funny. I don't like know how I feel about that. The memes are coming to I don't life. Know. I think... Smash Mouth started it. Whoever, I guess the lead singer, whoever runs their Twitter was like, yo, Carsey Hebrus is the shit. They're like, Teens of Denial is incredible. And then, so Will is like, a, he's an internet guy. He's very like active on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh-huh. He runs the band's Twitter. And he writes back, he's like, honestly, some of your sound construction still holds up really well. <laughs> and, and now they're like. <laughs> and they're like, yo, collab? <laughs> no, dude. Fucking with collab, fuck collab. with your vision, dude. Which is hilarious. Do you guys remember Smash Mouth putting out that like EDM song like two years what? ago? No. Yeah, yeah Love is a Soldier. You guys don't know about Love is a Soldier? <laughs> Love oh, is a no. Soldier. Yeah, the lyrics, like, uh, the lyrics are like, Love is a Gun, uh, You're the Ammunition, which I don't think makes any sense. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, treat yourself, guys. Listen to it later. I don't like that. I don't like that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, so man. new MGMT is here. Yeah, yeah. shit, really. Little Dark Age. Sorry, yeah. Brett. We're not going to wait for you to come. We're going to talk about it now. Brett just had a heart attack. He doesn't know why. <laughs> Poor buddy. Yeah, when yeah. we had Brett on, um, we were anticipating this album, and we were talking about some of the singles that were out, and now the full album is out, and it's a tight album. It's like, what, 50 minutes? 40-something yeah. minutes? Uh, 44 minutes. I love this Me album. Too. So do I. I it's I, so good. I was good. not expecting to love I it know. either. Like, <laughs> I really thought that it was going to be an album where I would just end up kind of listening to the singles because the three singles they released, I dug all of them a yeah, lot. Little so. Dark Age, Me and Michael. But I mean, when we have... Uh, well, Me and Michael wasn't even a single whenever we Before? first did our podcast. I think it was later released okay. as a single, but at the time, Little Dark Age, When You Die, and... Uh, Handed over were the only singles. I love that were when you die. So it's do I. It's, I love when you die too. It's very modest mouse influenced. Mm-hmm. I, I really it's, love that. But now we have like the full album and some of like the deeper cuts on it. Like she works out too much. T slamp. Time spent looking at your at my phone. Yeah. 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 This album it shocked me with how much I like it. It's like you said. It's very tight. They're not. Uh, kind of up their own there was a perception that they were getting up their own assholes because they were just kind of getting very like dreamy and slow after oracular which is cool because they had every opportunity to become the biggest band in the world and they were like but we don't really want to like we don't we're not feeling that so they kind of did their own thing which i respect but i don't like the music as much uh this album is very poppy for the most part it's very very synth heavy a lot of 80s throwback like high energy synths Mm -hmm. Um, Which is what made their old albums so, you know, that that sound is so good. Maybe the most poppy song on the album, uh, Me and Michael, is like an exact replica of a perfect 80s pop song. That song makes me want to just like get in a convertible, put the top down, just let my hair flow in the wind. (laughs) That's what I think whenever I hear that song. Ride with Ferris down to the Chicago parade, right? Yeah, that's exactly what that one is. And it's a song in a John Hughes movie. It's a song just about friendship. It's just like, we're buds. So I read this story about that actually, because it's called Me and Michael, and it's about, yeah, it's about like, you'd think it's about like a bromance or whatever. And like, it turns out the guy originally wrote it, either Andrew or Ben. And he was like, it was me and my girl. And the other guy's like, that's kind of lame. So let's just, just, what if you just made it like me and Michael or some shit like that? That's awesome. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of the lyrics in this album really took me by surprise because there's some dark shit in here. They're they're singing about like uh, depression and and sadness and just confliction. Yeah. They've had some shit going on. But it's all poppy and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, 
you mentioned When You Die, because yeah. that's one of the standout tracks. That track and I think a couple others were produced by Ariel Pink, who is... Oh, really? Yeah, he's another okay. indie uh, bedroom pop kind of lower fi guy. I love Ariel Pink, and I think if anyone listens to this album and they like it, they should check out Ariel Pink's newer stuff, because uh, he's one of the most underrated kind of psychedelic pop guys out there. Um, but yeah, they also brought in to produce... They have one guy who always produces with them in the Flaming Lips. And then they brought in this guy, Patrick Wimberly, who's a, he's in this electro pop band called Chairlift, which I looked up and they're very good. But he also produced uh, the entirety of Solange's last album. Hmm. That's um, interesting. So he added some polish to it, I would guess. Um, but yeah, the I mean, the output of this album is like... I, I had low expectations. I agree with what you said completely. I listened to the singles and I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't want to expect anything other than the singles to be good. Exactly. The whole, um, whole album's pretty good. I... I really love She Works Out Too Much. That song is just like an 80s dance video that yeah. you'd like put on and like work out. Let's work out. Let's do it. it. Is, yeah. And it's just like that. Like that's the vibe that you get from the song. But then we also get a song like um, the uh, penultimate song on the album, When You're Small. It's just like a nice acoustic it's very, song. That Spoke song is to a... me as a small person. Oh. But when you're small, <laughs> that's what it's about. you don't it's get about very far short. at all. <laughs> it's about how your steps are yeah. <laughs> smaller. It's not metaphorical. But when when you're Literally. tall, <laughs> your strides are longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a very Pink Floyd song. It is. It's very, very. I Pink figure Floyd. that's also why you like it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the last song is kind. It, that's the one that kind of rubbed the, me the wrong way a little bit. Hand it over, because it sounds like a B side from Currents. <laughs> Like directly, like exactly a B side from Currents by Tame See, Impala. I think that handed over. Um, I still enjoy the song, but I almost feel like it would have worked better on Congratulations. Exactly. When listening yeah. to that song, it's very like I'm to hand it over. Like it just sounds like the <laughs> that entire was uncanny. Sound of That's incredible. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, just like Congratulations. Like <laughs> I really I appreciate. I really appreciate the fact that they're not trying to just recreate uh, Oracular, mm-hmm. and that they're not like, oh man, we. We need we need a payday. Well, let's uh, sell out a yeah, little bit. This is it's another thing I think is really cool because uh, they with Oracular they influenced an entire generation of indie artists. Like that, it can't be understated how gigantic that album was for the fusing of Indian pop and psychedelia. Yeah, it was a crazy thing. And now and like, they didn't even mean to do well, that. And now they bring in the guy from Chairlift and the, and Ariel Pink, who were influenced by them in the first place. So it's really cool. Like they're feeding off the people who fed off them. That's really cool. I think yeah, I think that's very neat. They're not they're not trying to be at the forefront of anything anymore. It's it's not like Oracular where it's gonna be like whoa, I've never heard anything like that. Mm. But it's just great. Like it's yeah. just one a really thing, good album. One thing I will say that I just wish, and I feel like I'm in the minority for wishing this, but I've just lately like for the last couple MGMT albums I just want a song like Siberian Breaks I want like a 14 minute long song that just (laughs) it's like psychedelic proggy that it feels like three or four different songs within one jam and it all kind of comes together in the end I feel like I'm kind of in the minority for wanting that because most people don't like 14 minute long songs that's an incredible song but yeah I think they were just sticking well also one of the two I don't know which one again but stopped uh taking psychedelics like before this album so that kind of influenced i would guess it's the guy the one who did me and michael because that song is so straightforward you <laughs> yeah. know and then the other guy's like i'm spent looking at my phone you know <laughs> any last thoughts on this guys 
Um, no, I, uh, I definitely recommend it, especially if you're a fan of uh, older MGMT stuff. Um, like we talked about in the last podcast, I was not a fan at all of their self-titled album, so this feels like a really good return to form for them. Yeah, and it kind of lets you know that, hey, you know, they're not dead. They're still around. They're going to keep making music. <laughs> hey, if remember, anything, remember we us? now know they're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, one last album that we want to discuss, and we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit more later, Yeah, but... The new Kendrick Lamar Black Panther yeah. album. And I listened to this one. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And Top Dog Entertainment. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a CD. I, I find album. myself listening to this album more and more. You know, when it first dropped, yeah. I was kind of like a little bit weird on it because I was like, okay, this is an ad for the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then you get more into it and you're like, damn, this is really good. See, I had the exact same experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like beforehand, I was I was thinking it was gonna end up like fucked with by the movie studio to sound like a soundtrack mixed mm-hmm. with a hip hop song. It's like Disney has to sign off on this. The, yeah, nope. it's, not, it's just an <laughs> yeah. album. It's just a rap yeah, it's album. It's just a mixtape. Yeah. The only song that really feels like it had studio influence was the SZA song. That sounds like it was made which, for uh, the credits. Which one was that? All, all oh, the stars. Oh, it's yeah. the one that plays at the it end. It does, but like it? I think that uh, I think that that's one of the highlights on the whole album. It's good, me. but so it definitely good. sounds movie. It, the funny part was my my little brother. Uh, he texts me. He's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna try to figure out what's gonna happen in the movie by the by the album." Like, good luck, dude. <laughs> this, I don't think you're gonna get very far, but good luck. No, yeah, it's, it's very standalone. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, they don't really drop character names or shit except for no. Black Panther like twice. Yeah. But other than that, it's just like a really good hip hop mixtape it's not like the fucking suicide squad soundtrack where the collabs don't make any sense (laughs) these collabs make sense and they didn't exist and not only that i mean we are going to talk more about the movie in a little bit but this the album never feels forced into the movie at any point which is good because that was another thing with suicide squad is i felt like i was watching a music video a two hour long music it was a music it was a music video (laughs) just like a music video i can't remember anything that happens in it so but this this uh this album is just great like the the artist list is insane on its own like you have kendrick and vince staples doing a collab which i love because i'm in i like i fucking love vince stables and then after them on the track ops which is a standout is yugen blackrock who is a relative like completely unknown uh woman and she like slays the yes. end of this track i think she steals it i know following like two of the best yeah. rappers alive I, I think like you know kendrick and uh Kendrick's amazing on it, but I was kind of shocked at how good the uh, the other members of like TDR, like Absol, was like Absol killed it for his first Schoolboy Q, yes, killed his J Rock was really yeah. good, and uh-huh. then they they brought in some others like S O B R B E. Uh, mm. Is, uh, is that for paramedics or yeah, paramedics? Yeah, it's yeah. a hip hop collective from uh, California, and they they kill it. They're they're I mean they have some credit, like they have a lot more plays than you can Blackrock, that's for sure. But <laughs> yeah. but I think uh, paramedic is actually one of the highlights of I the agree. album. I, I really, really like I like the singles a lot. If anything, I almost think King's Dead is one of the weaker tracks on the mm. album. If anything, it's, it's just like yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the part. I actually like that. I like if you keep listening to it. It grows on yeah, me, I got it. No, it's I know. weird. It's but the thing is, is uh, I just like so many other songs are just standouts for me. Bloody Waters. I'm a yeah. huge Anderson Pock fan. Yeah, like I just love cool. Anderson Pock's voice so um, much. And then uh, Redemption, Zachariah. Also, I'm a big fan of. See, um, I'm not. The, he, really? I did a quick winners okay. and losers list of this album. He, it, him. He reminds me of back when Jay-Z was trying to push Mr. Hudson as a solo artist. And it's like, no, dude, sing the hooks. Like, his okay. voice always sounds like it took, like, 20 people to produce it to make it sound good. I don't know. It's just something about it is just kind of catchy to me. Then I really like True. this song, Redemption. Um, 
Of course, of course, uh, paramedic is definitely one of the biggest bangers on the album, along with yeah. X. X is uh, X yeah. is great. That's a gym song right there. Interesting exactly. thing, I liked Ops, but I didn't really like love Ops until seeing Black Panther, and then seeing it. <laughs> yes. Now I listen to Ops, and I like picture the scene in which yeah. that that takes place, great and I'm like, scene. "Wow, this is awesome!" And I think it makes that scene. I think it makes it the best scene in the and movie. In a lot I, of ways. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I uh, I think. Pray for me might be my favorite song in the album, just because mm. I just I love the weekend. I love Kendrick, and them coming together is like a perfect meshing. Like mm-hmm. just have the weekend, just singing those his bars and the choruses, and I have Kendrick come in there and just lay down just a dope um, verse. It's just it's a perfect collab. Yeah, I also okay. So my other winners, tell me if you agree, Khalid. Yeah, I yeah. love. I love oh, that I love voice. That guy is yeah. one of the best voices, like mm-hmm. one of the freshest new guys coming out right now. And his track with Sway Lee, the ways that is such a good little pop song in the middle of this like really hard hip hop mixtape for the most part, <laughs> and it fucking kills. Uh, James Blake, aka yes. the Martin Freeman of this mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Marty, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then I had Sob Rbe just because they're yeah. now they have you know they're on this song on Black Panther soundtrack with Kendrick doing their hook. That's yeah. the biggest deal in the world for a hip hop group. I, I think the nicest thing about this album is just how unexpected it was as a collaboration. Like it feels like you know the people you don't see coming are the the best parts of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very that's, nice. It's, yeah. it's very um, Disney and Marvel didn't have to put this together, no, yeah. but the fact no, they that they not. reached out to Kendrick and his team yeah. and, and TDE yeah. to that's do so it, cool. and that they delivered in such a way, because you know, like I mentioned earlier, Disney signed off on this. I can't believe mm-hmm. that. They, that's, they, I want to know how this meeting happened, where they were like, "No, it's separate. Like, it's not going to be." <laughs> mixed in and someone at Disney was smart enough to approve it. I, yeah. I assume they just didn't put any of the parts with the hard fucks or the other words in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And then they just kind of I still can't think of anything else that's been done like I this. I feel like this has to, no. I mean it has to be I very Coogler, like Coogler has had to be, be the one yeah. to go for his too because also Coogler's from Oakland, just like Kendrick. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he, you know that they are like big fans of each other's work yeah. and everything mm-hmm. so I'm sure that they talk and they reached out to each other. Um just quickly, did you have any other losers? Because I have a couple yes. of losers on here. Okay, well, Zachary, or is it Zachary? I don't know. I say Zachary. I could be totally wrong. I'm just Zachary. I'm not. Zachary. Yeah, that, oh, exactly. <laughs> My other losers were Slim Jimmy, the other guy in Ray Sremmerd. Because <laughs> where are you? <laughs> he never gets the features. It's always Sway Lee. Uh, and then Isaiah Rashad. Where's he at? He's yeah, in Top Dog I, and he's not on I this. Wish that he's Isaiah one of my Rashad favorite Top there. Dog guys. Um, I, I was I was wondering the whole mixtape. Another thing, um, I'm just not a fan of him in general, but I really like his verse didn't really do anything for me on the song Big Shot. It was Travis Scott. Yeah, mm. I'm just yeah. not a Travis Scott fan. I like him more as a uh, producer. Yeah, he's better. He, like he he can produce some good tracks, but just I just don't really like his voice at all. His hooks <laughs> never really do anything for me. I think Absol is the Ryan Murphy of uh, hip hop. So I, I'm glad we got some good Absol on this. Uh, hey, Absol, the hottest take I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my God, my he's I really like some of his stuff. Absol really is like actually I really yeah. I really like Absol's because he's very like jazzy with a lot of his raps and stuff. Like uh, yeah, and, but then he's also like, let me put my mouth where you potty boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never forget that. One. <laughs> like, like on uh, Kendrick's uh, first album, Section Eighty, uh, Absol mm. as an outro that sounds like something off of Pimp a Butterfly. <laughs> like it's just like very, uh, very jazzy and like in your face, bang bang. And I just, I really that was the first time that I really listened to Absol, and I was like, oh damn, wow. Yeah, I, I 
just kind of like a final thought on this album. I think it was an absolutely genius move on all parts yeah. to put this together. Brilliant. And I good think, job, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I think that <laughs> like this is more Cougar than than Mickey yeah. Mouse. Yeah. But like yeah, a Marvel film, you know, like yeah. the stuff that Disney is putting all their money into, mm-hmm. this album appeals to pretty much anyone. Like anyone could listen to this and find at least one song that they really enjoy. And that's what these Marvel movies are all about. I don't I don't want to like get too far ahead for Black Panther, but I, I definitely think that, you know, the movie in particular is definitely feels the most true to the director's vision. I think like little touches like this kind of add to that. Mm. But, right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's Disney taking a chance on a true filmmaker with a true vision and allowing him to just do yeah, his thing. Just kind of pull back, like go make the money. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is. It's it's, it's bringing in the dollars. So and I think um, part of that is due to this album. You know, yeah. releasing it a week before and having the top minds in hip hop be behind it. Mm-hmm. It's. It's just a fucking genius this move. Cool. Good, good on them. <laughs> it's a cool marketing. Thing. All right. Well, let's get to, unless you guys have any final thoughts, let's get to what we've been watching. Um, we're just going to talk about Coogler, but I want to have a brief discussion on Black Mirror yeah. season four. So have you been watching, did you just finish season four? Did you just watch the entire show? Um, I just finished season four. Okay. I've, I'm a big Black Mirror fan. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was into Black Mirror like back when it was tough to watch. <laughs> and it was Before it was In cool. the UK. Yeah. yeah what, back when like, you know, you couldn't really find yeah. the episodes easily. Yeah, yeah. No, so um, I had to put locker that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I think those earlier seasons are definitely better back when it was a, a Channel 4 Two, show. And yes, to an extent. I don't, th- I think season three is actually pretty fucking weak uh with the exception of like one episode yeah i'd agree with uh, that uh, which i I think yeah two or three episodes from season three stand out to me um i again i've only seen the first episode of season four so i can't really speak to that which is but um yeah that's a fun episode did you see that one drew yeah i've seen the first okay so so we can get into that one a little bit but on season three i think that it was very 50 50 for me. I really like Nosedive and San Junipero. You, you gotta remind me what Nosedive is. Nosedive is the one where everybody's rated off the Meow Meow Beans. Oh, Meow Meow Beans. Of course, as, as it's well. The community known. did it first. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then uh, episode two was an episode directed by Dan Trachtenberg, which was like a straight up horror. Uh, play episode, test, play test, yeah. which that was something that we had never seen in Black Mirror before, and I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Episode I wish I did. I, I, just... I like enjoyed it, but I didn't want it to be a Black Mirror episode. Like I would rather see it in theaters because I felt like while I was watching it, I was like, this isn't Black Mirror. I feel like I know it's an anthology show, but like I, I still want a tone. I, I think that, and I correct me if I'm wrong, you know, but I think that a great Black Mirror episode is you know one thirds like using technology in a creative way they don't see coming. Uh, one third's kind of like you know some pretty good world building mm. about how they all respond, and then one third you know a twist that is pretty organic and is also the bleakest goddamn thing you've ever experienced. Yeah, in your and life. has some yeah. um, message or, uh-huh. or some sort and of deeper thing about our society. Yeah, and I think I think season three has the worst episode of the show, which is um, that one with the soldiers. And oh the, my god, uh, the mutants. I, I yeah. hated and, that episode. And ten minutes yeah. in, you're like, oh, it's a it's a Holocaust. 
thing. Yeah. And then yeah. that's just what it it's is. Just, that's like, like, you know it in the beginning. Black Mirror is not by any means a very subtle show, but that is the most blatant episode of metaphor where it's, you're like, I get it. It's like, yeah. surprise, I there are actually people. It. It's yeah. like, dude, we, come on, I know. we all know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, uh, the one that follows it with the bees, with the killer yeah. bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. right from the very beginning, <laughs> I was like, okay, I know what's going to No, season three, though, San Junipero, you know, I think is just like a phenomenal episode of television. Just, it doesn't need a twist. It's just the twist is that everything's nice. It's not like yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird for the show, but it's just like a yeah, very the twist beautiful is that story. No twist. Yeah, that's it's, it's just I think that's one of the best episodes of television ever in the middle of a pretty thud season. Yeah, and like, it does everything that Black Mirror should. It yeah. incorporates all these big ideas about technology. Mm-hmm. It hits home emotionally. Great performances. Yeah. Cool visuals. It. It's just what you expect. I think out it's of this one of show. the best episodes of like the 21st century. I, pers- I really like it personally. I prefer White Christmas. That's my. That's White my, Christmas is great. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my favorite Black Mirror. And, and you know, the first two seasons had a way, uh, way smaller episode count. Maybe yeah. that can add to well, that, why. Yeah, that's a British thing versus American. Yeah, yeah. Thing. And so, I think yeah. that that affected the quality uh-huh. of the content. It's spread uh-huh. thin. Yeah, yeah. It's spread thin. Because uh, Charlie Brooker has still, despite growing in size, he's still written the majority of these episodes. Mm-hmm. I think which, all of them. That's that's insane. Like that's. I mean, hard. he's had help. Like, yeah. uh, nosedive had uh, Michael Schur and Rashida and Jones. Rashida Jones, but, but yeah, he's still his idea. He's doing yeah. so much work here. I don't like this guy's a machine. Well, well, season four to get back to the season four thing. I think it's a much more consistent, competent season than season three. Yeah, I um, I just don't think it has a breakout episode like San Junipero. I think the closest is uh, Kill the DJ. But oh, um, that's your that's your main one. Uh, no, no, that's not. That's definitely one they're trying to be like okay. the breakout. Uh, but um, that one's. It's very good. It's just not my favorite. I'm trying to. I really enjoyed. The, it's a very uh, similar episode. It is, and that's yeah. kind of like I kind of like, like the same. You're vibe. never gonna be that. My my, and my 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 little brother likes it because he's like he thinks the twist is better. I'm like, well, San Junipero didn't need a twist. It yeah. was just a good. It didn't need to be mm. predicated on this big reveal. That's also ultimately kind of just pleasant, you know. Like, but uh, I, I'm trying to remember. You know, they have the the black and white episode with the uh, the the killer dog, the robo dogs, <laughs> the robo dogs. Yeah, that one was just like Charlie yeah. Brooker was like, oh, I want to make a thriller. Yeah, that's really all it is. That's yeah. it. I think the most fun one is honestly just like the one that's most fun to talk about is the USS Callister. Yeah, that, that yeah. one is very fun. I read a comment online that blew my mind. This this uh, girl mm-hmm. on Twitter was like, "It's get out for women." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, oh, shit!" Whoa. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's like the nightmare of like, what if that guy who stares at you a little too much could like really yeah. do some shit? You know? I think yeah. it's very cool that that episode starts off with focusing on I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but you know, Jesse uh, Plemons. Jesse yeah. Plemons. I was yeah. gonna say a Jesse Plotkins, which is not fat correct, Matt, Damon. Matt, <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah. yeah, I think it's very cool that the first like 15 minutes are kind of looking at him as the protagonist and you then think it, he's a hero. Yeah. And then it switches Ooh. entirely that, to be about her. That was that was really cool. That was very fun. Um, I loved uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, what's his last Simpson? Jimmy Simpson. Mick Westworld. Yeah. Nick Boyle. Yeah, God, yeah. The, that. I love him. See, that was a classic Black Mirror because it turns everything you expect on its head, and then you mm-hmm. go to this different one. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, oh, it, also, yeah. it was a great homage to Star Trek. It was. Yeah, they do it justice. And I, I love the J.J. Abrams thing at, at the, the end. end. That's yeah. just you guys thought this through with what, the lens flares. Yeah, because yes. I think you watched it more recently than me. What other episodes like tickled your fancy? Well, you know, for me. I went into the season with pretty low expectations. I wasn't really yeah. expecting it to be much based on season three. I was like, okay, we're getting another six episodes. Mm-hmm. Half of them are probably going to be crap. And with that mindset, you know, with those low expectations, I was pleased by pretty much every episode. I mean, Ep 2 is Archangel, directed by Jodie Foster, which is mm-hmm. the woman um, 
who implants her child oh, yeah, with like the yeah, yeah, parental yeah. monitor. I, I really like that one. I feel like it could have been better. Yeah, I agree. it pulls its punch at the end with the ending. It could have been a little bit more yeah. intense. Yeah, I think they just happens. could have done a little more with the premise because the premise is very juicy. That scene though, with have you seen it? You no, know, I, uh, I I've only seen USS Callister. The the, the 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 intimate moments is that's like ooh that's that's what you want from Black. Yeah, Mirror. exactly. That's, and I wanted ooh. I wanted a little more of that. <laughs> that's yeah, that's totally like, fair. What yeah. are the psychological? More. <laughs> Give the, me more. What are the psychological implications of like basically yeah. uh, stalking your own child yeah. and it feels like they weren't, the characters weren't completely fleshed out because they don't really communicate with each other it feels mm-hmm. like a, a problem that would have had a much quicker solution because this thing goes on for like a decade doesn't it exactly. like, yeah yeah, yeah. There, there were a couple issues well, well she bad. turns she turns the device off and yeah. it sits there for a decade True, and then right. she brings yeah, it back yeah, yeah, once yeah. the child Hunter's is fuming right now yeah and then the next episode is the one oh, crocodile crocodile i actually is, i do not like that episode. the icelandic episode i again i was uh i was pleased with the premise with the yeah. technological aspect but it again it, it did lack with it goes the, um, it goes nowhere man I with, th- yeah I, yeah i think it's the clunker of the season it just kind of like it's like like a a pretty interesting technological conceit and then like you know what's going to happen by like the first 20 minutes and then it goes mm. where you think and then there's a twist that fucking blows like, that's like it, that's it like blows. the uh, the bees one for me <laughs> felt like that because it wasn't like white christmas is feature film length and it felt like a half hour and then the bees yeah. one felt like it was three hours and it was like one <laughs> yeah with with crocodile i i like the aesthetic it's of beautiful. it, it, it yeah. looks great it's shot yeah, nice yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it's, fair. yeah. It, it's just like this sort of murder mm-hmm. murderous uh thriller mystery sort of thing and mm-hmm. and it, you do kind of connect with the main character because um you know she's not out the the way they she's just a family woman you know the way they take it is like she is almost like trapping herself into this murderous street yeah 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 and she's not like going out like having fun killing people no it's it's yeah that's that's understandable oh oh, i thought you're referring to the uh, other the the investigator but yeah i did enjoy the investigator a lot and what happens to her is really intense almost to the point of like absolute cruelty it's like it was black yeah. mirror did you really need to go that far like come on yeah and then the ending with what happens with the rest of that unit is like i think that twist is just like i feel like well we have to have a twist that's what it felt like yeah like, we have to think of something and it's like dude this... and then it's like they thought of the most like fuck you cruel shit like yeah oh you're watching black mirror well go fuck it's so, yeah it's so callous it's not even like it's not there's no resonance with the twist it's just like and by the way it's even worse and yeah. it's like yay cool i i know yeah. I, I, I should have saved an hour and, and then <laughs> after that we have hang the dj that one's really fun i like I, that one a lot i really enjoyed it i yeah. think the performances are great mm-hmm. um they're they are they are good looking people <laughs> they are just you like watching them make out and do stuff like, and it's it's give uh, me more it's one of those it's one of those technological premises that like yeah you really think about and you're like huh like the, i like this the twist is very sweet it's yeah a, it's a it's a great fuck i wish you guys had seen it so it's it's so fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. I don't care. yeah you know and then what else what else are the there's so like, five um yeah, all right. i i just have one <laughs> thing quickly i i feel like i'm probably just like a sadistic asshole for this but like i miss tw- uh I almost said Twin Peaks. I miss like Black Mirror episodes where like everything was just bleak and sad. I do too. I don't like. No, I, do too. I don't like everything being a happy ending. I I don't I, like. Th- I watch Black Mirror to just be like upset and like just sit in silence for an hour the, and contemplate the, the, the future. The thing was is that it has to be like 
artistically awful because like the like the the episodes the first two seasons have that kind of thing going on where it's got like an emotionally resonant message it's just it also makes you want to jump off a bridge you know yeah. like the, the one with daniel uh, kalua the oh my god i said that i actually stopped watching the show for like two months like i'm just gonna take a break like i don't want any more <laughs> after that yeah. i mean his Woof. his monologue at the end of that episode you'll never forget that no shit. no for me it's the, it's the it's like yeah. you see his friend in like the porn ad and he's Oof. just like stuck oh my like god. jesus mm-hmm. christ yeah i i agree with you though hunter my ideal black mirror has a slow burn of kind of realizing this world and the implications of it throughout the entire thing and then at the end there's like a big thing it sucks you in it lures you in i love san junipero but i almost wish that it had a really like sad heartbreaking ending Uh, because then i (laughs) I mean like i was happy with it i was glad with the way then i was like oh like oh that was that was nice i like really nice but i also just wanted it to all be like ripped away from her And maybe I'm just a sadistic asshole. Like maybe that's Give just who I am. Like yeah, like the nurse just comes in and pulls the plug <laughs> for no reason. Yes. And then it plays Heaven's a Place on Earth anyway. <laughs> Written by Charlie Butler. No, I, I like I like that it was so sweet and like just because at the time I was like this is the one nice episode. Only have the one. Never do this again. And then they kind of do. I yeah. kind of wish it, even I, in yeah. uh, USS Callister, like it ends happily. Yeah. It um, like, yeah. Well. It yeah, does. I mean, it, I mean does. it does, except for the shitty ass guy. Although Aaron except Paul the at the guy. end is kind of like, kind of like, this whole place sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. there's more than just uh, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, it's Plemons, it's really just know. Xbox Live. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. My my favorite Black Mirror is the entire history of you, which is the Oof. smallest story that they so tell good. in the whole yeah. show. Like, it's a very small tale. That's with a Tony Kebbell and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was actually written by a guy who's written a couple other small it's movies based on something else it was yeah it wasn't written by brooker but that the dialogue of that is the best dialogue i've ever heard in my life where it's like oh this is like actually someone actually wrote down real conversations <laughs> um i yeah that's my ideal black mirror it's slow it doesn't i mean i love the ones that tell a huge story like the daniel kalua one because mm-hmm. that is kalua kalua <laughs> pretty sure it's not pronounced like yeah. the alcohol I was, i'm always thinking is that it or <laughs> I I think that I'm wondering maybe just uh, what's his dad Charlie Brooker maybe mm. he's running out of pitch black ideas he maybe. should he should bring in some help yeah <laughs> find some other nihilist writers room man just yeah. writers room that shit yeah I I mean um just kind of to go back since I still haven't seen season four but I'm just like kind of looking through the older episodes of Black Mirror yeah. um I think that one of well two of my favorite ones are uh, Be Right Back the one with Domhnall Gleeson in it. That one yeah. uh, where he that one's the pretty android, wild. oh right, like the right, perfect. Right. It's like basically yeah. her, like as a black mirror. Yeah, it's episode. a standout. I really mm-hmm. love that one. And White Bear. The first mm-hmm. time I watched White Bear, I was horrified. Yes, like, yeah, that White is, Bear is phenomenal. White Bear is like I've never watched an episode of television that has gotten under my skin so much. Where like to the point that for like a week after that if i saw, like made eye contact with somebody if i caught somebody looking over at me i was like terrified i was like oh my god what put if this down. is all like, if i had known put your that, phone would, down yeah exactly if i had known that i would have just pointed my phone at you all the time <laughs> yeah. to follow like, you. Uh, like why you murder just, those two that kids? episode is just so it's so gets under your skin yeah it's I, unbelievable. I think i think for me the all-time best is still um white christmas yeah, but the, really the last two of four yeah uh, Five is uh F five is the Robo Dog one. That was fun. Um which is like cool. Yeah, you know, but fun. then the the Black Museum. Yeah, that's that the is the last one. Interesting episode. And, and it stars um Letitia Wright. From uh Black, Black Mirror. Yeah. Or yeah. Oh, Black sorry, Panther. um Black one Panther. <laughs> that is a weird episode, and I kinda don't want to say what it's about, but I mean 
It's just it's, it's almost not like what a, you think. Is it's, that the one that's like over an hour long? It's yeah, a long episode. It's, it's isn't kind it? of a it's kind of a meta commentary on the Black Mirror TV yeah. show. It's about the okay. Black Museum, and right. it's just very and the stories mm. are a little bit different. It's like more hype. Uh, you know, it's more like a, a, a heightened universe. Yeah. In, in the, it's just a very interesting episode. It, I don't know it, how to feel about it. It, uh, it. it is structured very similarly to White Christmas yeah. in the sense that you almost get like three mini Black Mirror episodes mm-hmm. in a single one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed that aspect because the way they tie together was really neat. It was a cool ending. And yeah. uh, the way it all it all sort of comes together, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. It's um, very odd. Like There's like the Charlie Brooker stand-in. Yeah, <laughs> but it's almost like it shows should be the last Black Mirror yeah, episode. I, I kind of feel like it is. Like, yeah. uh, is there a season uh, five? I don't know. It's like, almost <laughs> like Charlie Brooker's like, look, look at what I've done. <laughs> look, at I have this. fucked everything up. I have given you so <laughs> much yeah, you're sadness. Too much. <laughs> no, no, anymore. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very odd episode. It's kind of you can't really talk about it. You guys haven't seen but it. I, but I I do like thinking of it in a meta sense. It is. I didn't really think it's of a that. very meta episode. Yeah. yeah. All, right. All right. Well, that's Black Mirror on Netflix. Everyone can do go you watch it. Take a bit break before we go into full Coogler. Sure. Sure. Let's take a full let's take Coogler. a quick little a uh, little right, uh, you guys the Coog. <laughs> Little little bit of break here, and we'll be right back uh, on Coogler Town. Coogler, t- I like that. <laughs> Coogler Town. Coog sounds like a uh, a Flintstones character. <laughs> Coog, Coog, give me my mail with your Dino mailbox. I don't know. <laughs> I love this. I, I honestly love it. <laughs> so do I. Carsey Headrest are like all, or Will, I should say, is just like all about the meme culture. Yeah, he's a big internet, meme boy. So. <laughs> so is there is there going to be a Shrek remake with Carsey Headrest yes, in the soundtrack? Yes. Somebody once told me the world was going to rule me. Damn. All right. Like recast that? Shrek now. Hannibal Barres is Shrek. <laughs> Free Shrek. Hannibal Barres as people always say Shrek. This is this ain't your swamp. Why you protecting the swamp? I'm like I'm Shrek. This is my swamp. He always says his own name. People always say Shrek. Uh, Let's think. Um, Donkey. Um. Um. Eric Andre. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's get this going. I am into this. Um. (laughs) Um, Hannibal Barres is Fiona. Let's just keep it going. Farquad would be Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Oh, oh no, John Lithgow, Ernest. A... <laughs> what the fuck? Wee man, uh, wee man. I, was, I don't know why I just popped in my head, but um, fucking uh, oh god, I just blanked on his name. The guy from Three Billboards, uh, two, uh Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam Rockwell is Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad will have a dramatic transformation. It <laughs> feels a little bit unearned, but we all just buy into it anyways <laughs> for some reason. And then they go. Let's to... just get Antonio Banderas back as Poos. Poos That's right. Poos. All right. Mm. That's right. And we're back. 
Okay. We bought a mic. Welcome back to the show. And we're talking Coog. The Coog. We're talking Coog Man. We're talking Coogler Town on ABC. (laughs) (laughs) So the guy rocks. This man has made three feature films, and they are all, I would say, at least uh, great. Yes. At the very least. Yes. Some excellent. I think that this is probably like the best uh, opening three film arc by like any director. Like it's really, it's high up there. Like I can't imagine, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Maybe Spielberg. Yeah. But when you're just talking about the first three films that he made and all three of them are great to excellent yeah. flawless and then you look up his age and you're like okay fuck you yeah, 31 years old yeah, he is 31 man. get the hell out of here <laughs> just like, keep this in mind he is nine years younger than chadwick boseman how old is michael b jordan <laughs> like uh, michael b i think he's the same age i think he's 31 or 32 oh, yeah he is. yeah so yeah we should uh <laughs> yep, mention before we start michael b jordan is not the muse of kugler i would say because he's playing different you know people but he is uh you know collaborator in every single one of his movies and in his fourth upcoming movie he's the, the star as well the, the the tom hanks to spielberg ah uh, yeah kind of yeah at least for now yeah. i mean they they might part ways at some point but i mean they'll do other shit but michael b jordan is great so i think I michael b jordan reason. i would say i think that he's one of the best actors alive right now and mm. especially i mean if you just look at just Kugler's three films he plays three completely different characters that you emotionally attach yourself to all three of his characters because he is that good he steals the screen whenever he is on there yeah particularly in the first movie that we're going to talk about which is Kugler's first film as well uh 2013's Fruitvale Station so when when did everyone see this movie saw about a week ago yeah same I saw it Mm. uh within the last week I saw it last night at like 4 (laughs) a.m I saw it about four hours ago yeah pretty fresh on Fruitvale Station. Are you okay? Harry? I'm not that great, but yeah, it's <laughs> pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. So he comes out of the gate with this film, and you know, I didn't really. I mean, back then it won big at Sundance. Yeah. Premiered at Sundance, got the audience and grand jury awards. Yeah, it made a big splash, but it didn't really reach mass audiences, and yeah. it kind of flew under the radar. Didn't really get any awards recognition or anything I, like that. I think. If this movie had come out this year, it would get a lot more. I think it would be like a Best Picture (laughs) nominee, honestly. Um, But yeah, so this is a movie about the uh, real-life shooting of Oscar Grant by a police officer that went viral kind of internationally because it was, you know, filmed. And it happened New Year's Eve slash day of 2008. New Year's early morning. Yeah, at Fruitvale Station. Mm Yeah. in Oakland, California, which is also where Ryan Coogler is from. And if, you know, he's obviously been asked why he chose to write this project because he co-wrote it with another guy. And he said it, I mean, I saw the video of the shooting and it looked like me and my friends, like in Oakland, you know, how could you not connect to that? <laughs> like, that's pretty, the, and I mean, I guess we can just say like the opening, the very opening of the movie Jesus. is just fucking brutal. It is. You actually watch the found footage yeah. from people who do it. I should say, uh, whenever I first put this on, I didn't know what it was. Ernest just messaged oh, and was boy. like, cause I planned on watching it before going to see black Panther. And he was just like, you have to watch Fruitvale station. It's it. I'm like a fucking mess after yeah. watching that. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll put it on. And I watched it and I was like, Oh wow. Like, 
I watched the opening thing and I was like, oh, that's like they're doing a found footage thing. Like that's cool and everything. And then like just watching it and how, and I like slowly like realized <laughs> that it was a real story. <laughs> Yo, this is fucking what? like Blair Witch, bro. <laughs> I love paranormal. No, activity. but like I, I honestly think this movie is like almost flawless. Like it's for everything that it is. Like yeah. I. I after this movie ended, I was ugly crying. Like I was it's literally fucked. sobbing. Yeah. Like during the yeah, credits, this, like I could not stop. I would say of the trio, this is Michael B. Jordan's best performance. I I agree. I think he did an unbelievable job with this. Obviously, he had the most to do in this movie. He was the center of the movie. The he was playing a very complex character, and I really liked that they didn't. Like they did try to paint him as like an overall not a bad person because that's kind of what the movie's about. It's it's just showing the day in this guy's life up to what happened, and so with one flashback, mm-hmm. yeah, with a really really good, a flashback. really powerful oh, flashback yeah. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I think I I think uh, what kind of struck me the most watching it is just how much he kind of felt like like a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, he's just he, a kid. He, he was what the 20s, 22, 22, 22. He he has a kid and he has you know a girlfriend, but he is, he's a he's a young man. Yeah, you and know? he's yeah he's immature. He's he's flawed. I love it. Takes there are a couple scenes that it 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 shows that he has like issues. He's not just like some perfect guy that got shot or whatever. Like he's just a complex human being. So regardless yeah. of how he is, he should not have been. I, I think the tragedy of that movie is just showing that you know he was a. a Again, I, I the way I interpret it is like a, a, very, a kid that yeah. was on the verge of you know upshifting and and maturing and becoming something else, yeah. and that's you know the the fucking heartache of the movie. Exactly, and it's it. Uh, I think maybe it has one too many like save the cat type moments where it's like being like no you're rooting for him yeah yeah particularly the dog saves, scene. saves a dog yeah exactly yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that scene really I don't know. got that, to me that though. scene yeah i agree that scene really affected me like just in a powerful way just because it's foreshadowing it, it is yeah just yeah. an innocent dog that was just fucking killed and I, then just left to die i think no a problem i had I, i'll be honest this is probably the least favorite of the three movies for me but by mm. by hairs with with black Panther, kind of like with this one with black panther on the same level but mm. i think the the it, it's 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 just by structure what the movie is is just setting up dominoes that is that is the entire movie mm-hmm. and I, I feel like by nature of that the first half is a little bit slower and less interesting I around agree. the dinner scene that's when it fucking pops and then yes. you're in it so that dinner you know? scene yeah i caught myself during that scene because i was like oh my god these are actors on a set yeah, and I was like so in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just watching and these uh, these characters like uh, just it's banter all so organic and, I, and so grabbing organic. the food. And I don't want to take us off from from Fruitvale Station, but I feel like this is you know when I'm watching Fruitvale Station, it just all clicked. And we mentioned I mentioned earlier that I think I think Ryan Coogler right now is the best world builder in in current cinema. I mm. think the the locales and the settings and just the the feeling he gets in all of his movies, even in an entirely fictitious one that just came out, mm-hmm. they feel like real people. I think Creed does it the best, but I think this one is also phenomenal with like the the, the when they when they go up that subway and you just see the long take with all the people in the streets and just people talking to each other. I think it's there's nothing like it right now. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. I I my feeling toward this film is um you know, I like Hunter, I went into it sort of casually mm-hmm. and I, I I knew the basic premise mm-hmm. um, but I didn't expect it to be so emotionally visceral so yeah t- towards the beginning I was a little bit disengaged I was like okay you know just putting on this little movie it's, mm-hmm. it's fine it's cool and then as the movie goes on I'm like holy crap like this is something else yeah. entirely mm. and the drama of the film 
is directly linked to knowing the outcome of this yes. this boy's and fate. I, I think mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit like it kind of feels like table setting beginning or a little bit less engaged but then when it finally gets time for you know the dominoes to start falling that becomes its strength yeah that's yeah yeah, i feel exactly the same where in the beginning i was like well i know what happens but Mm -hmm. then like midway through when when like they're driving in the car and they're deliberating he's like let's just call it a night i'm like oh they're gonna call it a night yeah yeah i almost forgot because it was doing such a good job of suspending uh disbelief you're you're almost like trying to trick yourself into thinking that he's gonna live maybe they called a night I don't know. I I love this one scene where they they finally all meet up and they're all just like like in the subway station and they're they're drinking and then they all start uh they start hopping the subway mm-hmm. uh, gates yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. just like just a bunch of just kids having fun you know it just it's yeah. a very quiet great moment to show exactly that. very very organic the dinner scene mm-hmm. particularly is also it's one of the most organic scenes I've ever seen it reminds me so much of that weird Duplass sci-fi horror movie that, that just takes place in the house. The one I love? Uh, no, no, no. With the split realities. Oh, that's not Duplass. Well, he's in it. Yeah. No, he's not. Fuck. Is he? Not? I don't think he is. I, I feel like he was involved in some capacity. But the anyway. Coherence. The coherence. Coherence. Yeah, where yeah, okay. it, that movie was actually like straight improvised most yeah. of it. And so that's why it feels like that. But this, I guess it was, but like it feels so real. I mean, we got to give credit to Kugler for writing yeah. this screenplay. He wrote and directed yeah. it. And, and he's in it. He's been doing yeah. that for all of his movies. He's, hasn't he? where, where is oh, he? He's, he's, the, he's the friend who's behind the counter at the deli. That, no that's shit. Kugler. That's Kugler. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I knew his brother is in it, uh, Keenan Kugler. Really? Yeah, Keenan Kugler. <laughs> uh, Kato is the character he plays. I'm guessing just like one of the friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point about table setting being felt in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. I almost feel like I don't want to knock her performance too much, but I kind of it's. I, I think that uh, Melanie Diaz, who plays his girlfriend, it's it's hard because I don't think she gave a bad performance, but. She doesn't quite go uh, fist punch for punch, if you will, with Michael B. Jordan's characters in those scenes. So yeah, it almost yeah, feels like that. she's underacting in those scenes. Um, but at the same note, I think uh, Ariana Neal, who plays Tatiana, his daughter, is amazing. Like I loved her performance, and yeah, she was so especially sweet. at the very end um, yes. of the movie, where we have that moment between Tatiana and. Uh, the and her mom where they're sitting there in the shower and she asks where is daddy oh that's the very the very final d- oh my god that was the scene that just destroyed me just because and what hurts so much is that this is this is something that's happening this is real that mm-hmm. people have to go home and like have to tell their children uh, or not their father or, or not yeah we don't yeah does does anyone feel that maybe they should have stopped the movie there and not have shown kind of the the more standard sort of what happens the after. afterward things yeah. so, i didn't hate it but i was wondering maybe if it had been stronger if they had just left it at that blank screen because that was so powerful well they would have had to because the movie is incredibly short already so they would that's have what, had okay. to fill earlier stuff with yeah more it's, stuff. it's okay. less yeah. than yeah, it's an point. hour and 25 minutes yeah so okay it's very tight so i i kind of yeah i was thinking that when i was watching it but then i was like well they really couldn't have unless they put I, more scenes in i didn't yeah i didn't hate it by any means but i definitely it kind of felt more of like a like a beginner like filmmaker decision to kind of put like the the words on the screen showing you what happened yeah you know? that's, that's that's kind of a pet peeve for me in general though that's so. that's still pissed me off though when it's like oh yeah he served 11 months yeah i know it's just, <laughs> yeah. i think that that was the whole point was it was just to make you yeah. angry yeah. But, and show you like really there was no real justice yeah. served here are we essentially just spoiling now or what like yeah i mean i mean this is a true story <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like oscar Grant, uh, but i was like, gonna get into really a specific happened. 
Well, let's let's uh, give some some little thoughts before we go into yeah, okay. a, a, a spoiler section. So this film is available on Netflix. You can go watch it right now. It's really short. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Uh, I think it is an incredible movie. It's absolutely excellent. I do want to give a shout out to Octavia Spencer, mm. who puts on mm. a magnificent oh, yes. performance. I want to yes. give a shout yes. out to o- Octavia Spencer's giant eyes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> big she, soulful eyes. I I wasn't really about her character at first, yeah. but she is. As the scene that is a flashback the uh, prison scene oh yes oh my yes. god yes. that absolutely god. sold her character and, and then it cuts to him dumping the, the weed in the ocean yeah. and that shot i think is my favorite that, shot of the movie it sold her character and his character yeah for me you see that's so, when i was like okay yeah you get that entire relationship in just those few lines you know so let's let's get into a quick little spoiler section so go watch uh fruitvale station on netflix yeah. if you don't want to know specifics yeah which you already do know several but <laughs> okay, so an extreme specific specific uh that i thought was interesting was with the police officers they vilify the one who didn't shoot did you notice yeah, that the yes. one who shot they kind of leave it open-ended like because they say his defense in court was he was reaching for his taser they leave it open-ended like maybe he was um they don't choose to just be like he's the cop that's like hey fuck you guys yeah. like the other cop is like that they vilify one of the officers very much and then even he has a little bit of a human moment when he after does, the fact. but I feel like that was almost a smart move it that they did vilify move. because I mean, again, this is found footage stuff. And if you exactly. look on the camera, you yeah. can see it's not the one who's standing right over him yeah. who shoots; it's the guy who's standing to the side it's who's the yelling at them and everything it, else. It, like it's the head guy who's just the one if, who if, seems like if the you villain. Had made the, the the dick cop who's who's in everything uh, yeah. as dicks. Uh, you know, he if he had been like the person to shoot him, that would just it would have felt too easy. cartoonish right. in yeah, a way. It, it wasn't like it wouldn't be honest. You know, yeah. And it's just like the sad guy. You're like, no, he wouldn't. But then he, I mean, he did. This happens all the fucking time. Exactly. And I think just making it just so uh, nondescript and just matter of fact. Makes yeah. It and way then, stronger. and then they talk to each other for a minute. He's like, what happened, man? And yeah. He, he's just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, for the little amount of screen time that those two guys got, I really enjoyed their performances. You get a lot out of them. Yeah. Cause you get the idea that they are, it's a combination of two things. I read it. One mm-hmm. of them is um, mainly the bigger guy, the the bald guy. Keeney. He, I don't know his name. He but. is um, feeling that power that cops. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he even a cop? He's like a security officer. Was well, he, he is, um, he's or... a Bart cop, so he okay. is a cop, yeah. but he's specifically a cop for this subway. <laughs> but a lot of these, a lot of these guys, like they just feel this power. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I, I can push you around because no one's yeah. going to do anything about the, it. There was, I can do it. There was a moment that I found really interesting with him where he, after, you know, they, they stand up to talk to his partner, the this, this, the shorter woman, and like he, he puts him down and he leans to her and he's like, he's like, he, he's like, are you okay? And he seems actually worried about her. And it was yeah. a weird, almost humanizing moment. I'm still kind of chewing on. I don't really know yeah. what that's about. I mean, but. it's, I think it's just about because he has such like no screen time it is about giving him a, just a bit of a human layer yeah, so you're not just yeah. like uh he's a stock character yeah, yeah he's, he's not he's a stock just, character. and that that kind of brings up the other point that i was going to make which is like these guys mainly the smaller guy who actually shot him like he just made a mistake really like he he didn't mean to shoot him it, that's how it's played in the film i don't know how it happened in yeah, real life yeah, that's the but question, right? but they they really make it look like they were being rough they were really like manhandling these guys and still, like still jerks and yeah, yeah they were exactly. they were abusing their power. Shouldn't have happened in the first. Yeah. Place. But he didn't mean to fucking shoot him. I, 
in cold blood. Yeah, I interpret it almost as how you know the 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 jerk cop, uh, how he his kind of grandstanding and just ag- self aggrandizing and just himself, the power trip kind of just mm-hmm. led to the conditions that can cause these kind of tragedies. Yeah, it's heightened the 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 situation yeah, that didn't need to happen. A perfect storm that can that just keeps happening. And I think that's the point of the scene is that they're mm-hmm. creating an environment where they are um, just riling up these guys yeah. so much because the 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 boys they're just they're just fucking chilling yeah really yeah. and or not chilling but they're they're trying to cooperate yeah but yeah. they're also being like yo like we didn't do anything you're being dicks to us fuck yeah you. Like, and that's then, very human so to do also it, it was like a bit of a like stretch of a coincidence but i did enjoy how they brought back the girl from the grocery store I to be ask, the one who kind of accidentally sets yeah, off yeah. this whole chain reaction yeah because you yeah. you wondered like all right so they that's had like that whole scene in the grocery moment. store like yeah. what was the point of this character yeah, i mean that that's the thing where like you can be mad at movies for being made of tropes but at the end of the day they're movies so like something in the first act has to kind of come back i did like her being like oscar on the train and then like the girlfriend pops her oh my god oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, but i really didn't see what happened coming though where the guy pops i know that that, talking shit to be honest that whole scene as soon as that guy came back in the train like i almost felt like i was having a panic attack yeah exactly like Like, my heart started racing like (laughs) there was a point while watching this movie in hindsight, it's because I was laying weird on the couch while I was watching it. <laughs> but like my heart started being fast in that scene. And I stood up and my left arm was numb. And I was like, am I having a heart attack right now while watching this movie? Is this oh, going to be no. the last movie that I oh, ever man. watch? Christ. And I'm just going to be sobbing yeah. and the cops are going to come up here. And <laughs> I, it's, it, it gave me so much anxiety. Quickly, fun fact about the cop who actually shot him. His name is Chad Michael Murray. And yeah, he checks. is most known for that was One Chad Tree Michael Hill. Murray? Yeah. One Tree what? Hill. <laughs> that was Chad Michael. That was Chad. Murray. Also, he's in a Cinderella story. Oh, ch- yeah. No, he used to be a hunk. Like that was his yeah. thing. Man. That is no, so. Yeah, funny. he was officering. No, and uh, Kevin Durant was the guy who played the main bad guy. Yeah, um, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. he was really good on uh, on Lost. That's all, you know that face. Yeah, like, Lost. Just a very um, he's in X Men Origins. Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> Chad Michael Murray. That blows my mind. Yeah, he used Chad to be Michael in my Murray. sister's like J fourteen like Tiger Beat magazines. Now he's you know he's shooting people. I mean. I don't. The most yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, Kugler's strongest movie, but considering it's his first movie, like it's an incredible, incredible. Okay, see, I production. almost, I kind of disagree a little bit, just because I, I still don't know if I can say this is my favorite. For me, honestly, I need to think more about these three films, just because I really think that all three of them are really up in that same upper excellent echelon for me. I think that Fruitvale Station definitely has the most emotional impact of all of them, without a doubt, and. I honestly think it might be his tightest script, too. That might also be a credit to the screen time that is less than an hour and a half. But I think that the script, it all, just like we were talking about before, it all feels so organic. And these just feel like real people just plucked out from society. It doesn't feel like a movie. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. It had a couple little issues, but every issue I have with Kugler is a nitpick basically with all three of these yeah. movies. Yep. Uh, you get, I get the sense like after watching all three of these, particularly the first two even was enough yeah. that it, it reminded me of a John Mulaney quote where he's, he's talking about Bill Clinton, but he's like, you can do whatever you want forever. Like <laughs> you watch these two movies and you're like, Oh, he can do any project he feels yeah. like, like he can execute whatever. It, and that's another thing that uh, we should talk about now that we're like moving on into his other movies is that he's made three movies so far that have all been 
totally different types of films. And two of them in other people's sandboxes, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's like he's done a small emotional story like biopic. He's done he's revitalized a franchise that was otherwise dead cuz I don't know if you guys ever saw Rocky Balboa, but it's horrible. The last Rocky mm. movie had come out before we're, Creed. We're going to have problems in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty I, well received. Rocky Balboa? Yeah, lovely, I did not like a, Rocky Balboa at all. I did not like Rocky Balboa at all. And and then now he's going into Marvel, and I think he's doing the most dynamic Marvel movie that we've ever I, seen. I think he definitely, it's kind of, it's striking that even though he's making movies for other franchises now, he still has a very distinct voice style. Yes, his yeah. tone like, still comes through in each of these and three I, projects. I, it's it's kind of crazy, you know, I've, not to get ahead, but after Black Panther, I want him to step off and do something closer to Freeville Station. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's proved everything he's well, needed to prove in that his, his next movie is a lot smaller. The, the Atlanta. The yes. George, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about a group of teachers in Atlanta who got arrested for racketeering. Um, and it's a it's a great story. I've read about the story before, so I'm very excited for that. So now let's get into Creed. Yes. So with Harry, are you a little excited about this? <laughs> Creed is my favorite movie of all time. Whoa! <laughs> At the very top, the tippy tippy top. Damn. It is Creed. I watched it two nights ago, or maybe three, and we were all just like my dad, my brother, just like nod our heads. We're like, "Yep, this is this is it." <laughs> uh, we are, we are you know a bit of a context. We are huge huge Rocky fans like since mm-hmm. we were very little it's mm-hmm. just been an important part of our family and the first time we watched it in theaters it was kind of like jaw-dropping how he just took that franchise and made it his own I don't want to call it a franchise because like all those movies are so fucking different from each other there's no real through line you know right. if you you can look you can say Rocky Rocky Balboa and then Creed it's just <laughs> it's like a three-part thing if you want but I, I think it's his best movie I think it's uh, Ryan Cooper's best movie for sure Let's I, go. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. I definitely think Creed is a magnificent film. I saw it for the second time this week, and knowing exactly how this film plays out and everything that happens in it, I was still on the edge of my seat. That's in every single fight when at the end fight when that Rocky theme starts playing. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I was yeah. Just so amped, and, and it's not just the fights. It's very simply just the script, the mm-hmm. relationships between the characters, mm-hmm. the, the the exploration of Philly is just some of the best stuff I've seen in in, in twenty three years of living. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I cured my in, cancer. I, <laughs> I, I went into yeah. I noticed your hair's coming. Yeah, back. No, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it's good. <laughs> I went into this not even. It's not. I don't have anything against Rocky. It just was never. It's never been important to me. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in passing. I haven't seen them since I was a little kid. This movie still fucking destroyed. Like it killed me how good it was. Yeah. It was still all the rocky moments gave me goosebumps, even though I had like way less context than I should have. It's still, I got it. What, what's what kind of strikes me is that I think this is the, probably the only movie. I, I think the best movie to to balance the old. Because I don't know if it's like a. It's more like a relaunch or re, whatever the hell you want to call it. But it's it it it, it, it has all of the rocky yeah. stuff. Mm. But Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan absolutely hold their own in every scene they're oh. in. They are they are both equally interesting. And I scene. I think they're better. That's the, yeah. That's the, it's the totally emotional valid. the uh-huh. emotional through yeah. line with the relationship in this film is better than in Rocky because mm-hmm. Rocky it's a classic. I love that movie, mm-hmm. but it never. Um, gets to a point where you really connect with the relationship and with the two main characters. With Rocky and Adrian. Yeah, on like I a truly human yes. human level. Because with Michael B. and, and Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson, 
you really the way Ryan Coogler write and directs this, it's like this these are real people yes. with yeah. real struggles. Yeah, it really works. So yeah, we should go the basic premise of the movie is that so and Rock, even I know this. Maybe I should try to earn what <laughs> you want to ask. No, yeah, Apollo Creed has an illegitimate son. Yeah, and Apollo Creed is you know was killed by Rocky accidentally in a fight, right? He was not. Uh, mm-hmm. Apollo Creed what was basically okay. So basically, uh, Rocky uh, was a movie about how Rocky Balboa is just this bum. He's a knucklehead, and he uh, just gets a lucky shot to go against the king, who is uh, Apollo Creed. Yeah, uh, played in the by um, the name who's always forgetting Carl Weathers. Carl yeah, Weathers, Carl and Weathers. I always mix him up with Billy D. Williams. God, I know that's really shitty. You don't even like Rocky, do you? <laughs> I know. Clearly, did you even see Black Panther? I know. <laughs> I know. And uh, and basically, so that that's Rocky one. They stay friends. Rocky three. They go on their romantic L.A. getaway. Well, you you should. Well, you in should Rocky mention... one, Rocky loses in a split decision, but, but at that point he gains the national he, attention. He, he to... lost. He lost the fight. He won the night. And right. also, you you should yeah. mention the the fact that. Um, the Apollo Creed character, he wasn't, uh, he was kind of past his boxing days. He was. And it's, Rocky brings him it's back. It's very similar, in the yeah. Ring. And the thing about the Rocky series is right after Rocky 1, it just gets 80s as hell. It just gets <laughs> wacky. Rocky yeah. t- Rocky 2 is, is just the same movie with more money. Rocky 3 what, is what, absurd. Who is the guy in Rocky 2? Because I'm like wondering. It's, uh, it's, it's Apollo Creed again. It's the same movie. <laughs> so but Rocky 3, same. but Rocky 3 is when the movie, the it gets to black whenever they go for the punch, right? Well, that, that, yeah, that, that one's basically, it's uh, Apollo. Uh, it's Clubber Lang, Mr. T. Uh, he's young and hungry. Yeah, he beats right. down Rocky. Rocky's got to go on his romantic vacation with Apollo Creed. Yeah. They, they're like hugging and Super like being romantic. weird in the in the beach. I'm just saying. And <laughs> it's and, it's moonlight before and, moonlight. Yeah, and that and that's the one where in the in the Creed scene where they they cuts the last shot and it cuts to it, it fades out. It sets the eye of the tiger. And then in Rocky Four, that's to the get Russians. back to it. Ivan Drago, the Russian. Yeah kills Apollo Creed in a match. Okay. Okay. So Apollo Creed died. They they end up being friends and then they died. And that's really it. It's not a huge it's not there's not a lot of lore in the Rocky movies. Okay. It just is. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, now we have Apollo Creed's illegitimate son, mm-hmm. Adonis, Adonis, who as a child kind of Donnie. was going around the juvenile foster home type system and then finally his Apollo's uh, wife decides to adopt him and kind of gives him a great Felicia Rashad. Yeah, freaking Aunt Viv. Freaking Aunt Viv. Yeah, <laughs> the Cosby Show. Like um, a Claire Huxtable. Yeah, so she she's obviously still very rich from Apollo, and she decides, you know, she gives him a great life, but he still just wants to box. And this movie is all about you know identity and you know mm-hmm. illegitimacy and yeah. just kind of getting your own name. Also and, legacy. Yes, and yep. and mm-hmm. uh, heritage. Yeah, and it's you know, and the movie's just about how he. You know, even though he, the movie starts off, he's like uh, he's like got his own office at like a law yeah, firm yeah. or something. Yeah. He's got a great life, and he's like I just he's got like you know pent up resentment or just something you know eating at him. So he goes yeah. to Philly to uh, you know make his own way. Yeah, this it, movie rocks. <laughs> I'm very happy. I mean, I definitely think. <laughs> I'm kind of like Drew. I feel like I've seen every Rocky movie. I did. I have pretty recently rewatched one, and um, I think it was Rocky three that mm-hmm. I've seen like in the last all few on years. Hulu. But um, I think Creed is definitely by a pretty healthy margin the best Rocky movie yes. ever. Yes. Uh, just because, like you said, it does have the most dynamic and believable characters. It's never corny in any way, like a lot of Rocky movies can be. It's it's a lot more emotionally complex yes. than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. Being a Rocky and, movie, and we have to we need to talk about though is that I I really hit me this hit me watching this for the last time. I saw it I think three times in theaters twice. Ooh. So we're at five. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh my god, is he phenomenal. is so 
good. Oscar like, nominated role. Yeah, yeah. Sh- should have been Oscar one in my opinion. Who won that year? Because I was, we were my, my dad and I were talking about this, and I can't remember. Um, who I don't remember. Him. It was twenty fifteen. Was the year that but Creed the, came the, out. The, the point is, he's he he in this movie. He's still playing the same character because Rocky's kind of a knucklehead you know he never went to school he can't really read or write he's just kind of like uh he, he, he just talks like he can't read or yeah write. he's like he's like a lovable he's, he's a lovable lunk you know and he uh he's, and a, he's, good, he's a good kid <laughs> mine was he, was he was like oh my son he moved to a place called vancouver <laughs> yeah please yeah. Not, i don't know he's yeah South and, and he's still that character but with a lot more just like you know uh, uh emotion and and wisdom a little bit you know he's just a wiser character mm-hmm. and he's, he's kind of slid into in the original Rocky, he's got an old mentor, so he's kind of become yeah, that yeah. new one for Creed. And yeah. what happens with him in the movie, I think, is really, really devastating. So, yeah, at first, it already had a great dynamic because he they introduced that he has a son that had to leave because his dad is Rocky. And yeah. then, obviously, Michael B. Jordan doesn't have a dad, so it's like, okay, well, we could kind of be what each other needs. We could fill each other's, mm-hmm. you know... Emotional vacancies. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... Watch was, your words there. Yeah, I was thinking of how to... We could just, you know, call me by your name and everything will be fine. Um, Elio. And then it evolves into something I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be the extent of it, and then it just... It gets heavy. Yeah. And um, it, I won't I won't say yet, but... Yeah, uh, yeah we can talk more about the fight that both of these two people have to go through as this movie goes on, but just... This is the first, uh, this movie is the first time that you see just really Kugler's excellence behind the camera. Yes. The first time that Apollo Creed fights, he fights. Um, oh my There's God. also, there's multiple uh, real boxers there in this. Andre Ward, yeah. who plays uh, Danny Stuntman. And then there's oh, yeah. Tony Ballou, who plays Pretty Ricky Conley. Pretty both Ricky Conley. Both of them are like Ricky. real actual boxers <laughs> yeah. that are in this that do really good acting roles. But the first fight that we have there's with a Michael brief, B. There's a brief fight at the very beginning. Yeah, and like a Mexican yeah. boxing. He right, like one right. punches, he one punches I, I, the yeah, dude. I, I but I think you're right, Hunter. This is definitely the movie that shows that he is he's brilliant. Exactly. Yes. You see but, the emotional with Fruitvale, and then you see this and you're like, he can do everything. But mm. in that in that boxing match with uh <laughs> Danny Stuntman, you just it's a continuous one shot. There has to be a hidden cut. No, no, no. You're, you're you're thinking of um the one against Leo at a Mickey's gym. That's the second fight. The first fight, you're uh, uh Danny Stuntman, that's the one where uh he loses his Merce- his car. When he oh yes, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right, you're, you're right. I am Leo. mixing that up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Yes, in that scene, it's about two, three minutes long, but it's just the camera's just spiraling around the ring, and you just keep seeing them going back and forth. I don't understand how they're able to get the choreography right, how the makeup is able to just show yeah. up on their face. Like, it looks like they're actually boxing. It looks like they're it actually does. beating the shit out of each this other. Is, yeah, this is one of those takes. Usually when you see it, you're like, all right, CG, yeah, I get it. You know, it's camera tricks. With this, I was like, how? I don't know. Like, I really, how? I don't know how there's a cut hidden in there. Like, I was trying, because I watched this, I was watching it at Blu-ray at home. Mm-hmm. I watched the scene, rewound it back, and rewatched the scene again. Could not find a cut. I, could, yeah, I can't like, find the cut. It's like, like fuck you, Kugler. Like, I just, I don't <laughs> know how you. he was able to do that. And, and I think this movie, more than Black Panther and Fruitvale Station, uh, its long takes are actually used the most effectively, where the yeah. long takes of him walking and getting pumped that just gets the feeling of like excitement and anxiety you get before yeah. a big game mm-hmm. i think they're the they're cameras you, just following yeah yeah, yeah. Right I, th- I, I, I like him a lot in free station i think they're a little extraneous in black panther but i mm-hmm. think he hits the sweet spot in, in creed it's just the mm-hmm. perfect feeling before the big game for mm-hmm. each time it, it's really cool yeah uh well let's get into a little bit of a spoiler but before we do that i do want to just say that this movie is on hulu 
Um, go see it. It's excellent. It's fucking incredible. It's I, also, we haven't talked movie. enough about Tessa Thompson no, because she I, is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, like, I wanted to mention that because in... Uh, in Thor, I was like, "Who the f-? like?" She yeah. is killing it in scenes with Goldblum and like the biggest yeah. stars in the world. In this, she is, I would say, maybe the most perfect performance in the movie. Where it's just like she she did everything perfect. Her mm-hmm. character didn't obviously didn't have as much to do as Rocky and Michael B. Jordan, but she is just flawless. I, th- I think low key the scene where they're uh, they the the the, the cheesesteak. Uh, oh, oh my god! That's yes, just them walking in, like kind of talking to people, getting their food. Talk- that's like. That is like what Cougar is so okay. fucking good. Um, at. Actually, it's funny that you brought that up because I love that scene. And actually, there's a, an article I believe it's on The Ringer. Yeah, um, I saw that's, it. Yeah, oh, it's there? about like it's about that exact scene. And oh. It's about the cheesesteak scene. It's like the cheesesteak scene is everything is a ex- perfect example of everything that Cougar does. Yeah, right. he gets the little and things. It's so literally the guy didn't read the article. No, I know. It's, it, but <laughs> it's funny that you said that because I was also I had that same thought, yeah. and then I just saw The Ringer put up that article in anticipation and, and for Black I, Panther. I love, I love them singing together, like making the songs, and he's just like, "I'm hungry for cheesesteak." Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just very cute yeah. it's a very sweet it, relationship it's very very organic which yeah. is something that Kugler also, is a master of I mean she has a, a very interesting wrinkle of just like she's casually Beethoven um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also thought they production whoever you know the sound design did a great job with her music mm-hmm. She I, that's Tessa Thompson's music isn't it like I think my brother is she told me musician? that I'm pretty sure sh- my brother was telling me wow. that she that's made that music I didn't even I know think. that but it's just genuinely like usually you hear it in a movie and, and the other one's like wow that's really good and it's bad you know, but this was actually music that is very uh, realistic. The nightclub scene, like, yeah, 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 it draws you it in. It all man. works. Yeah, it's like I, okay. I love that moment where he's like banging on the door, and she opens up the door mm. and just, I'm Donnie. <laughs> like, he's just taking a. She's she's phenomenal in it. Like yeah. they really, it's, it's those three. They they are yeah. like, phenomenal performances. And, and aside from all the the human, you know, relatable aspects of all these characters, mm-hmm. they feel very very lived in performances. This is a story. This is a, a very diverse cast. You know, yeah. a lot of black actors. Yeah. But the the story is not about that. There's nothing about the this story that is about this man being black. You know, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't touch on race. It, it is it is mentioned very nonchalantly as like a joke in one scene. Yeah. It's, and that's it. It's less about race and more about class. I thought. Yeah. Um, exactly. Because he's Hollywood. And, there yeah. is one of my favorite shots in Creed is um, there's like, of course, the iconic scene in the first Rocky movie where Rocky's running down the road and everything. And oh, then we get we that shot in Creed <laughs> where he's running down the road and you see all the other all the, the other black the kids ATV. coming down with the yeah. ATVs. That was, like, awesome. that was such oh, a cool scene. Also with Meek Mill Best playing. Thing Meek yeah, Mill's Meek ever Mill. been in. Three <laughs> Meek Mill. Also, it's that that's crazy because Meek Mill is playing in a scene where teens are doing wheelies, which is what he got arrested for. <laughs> That is crazy. What I, what I like about uh, about this movie a lot, just as like a fan of the Rocky series, is how it is not in any way afraid to just break from traditions. Like for no. example, in in the dinner scene, he's like, "There was a third fight." You know, in the original movie, like you don't find out, and Rocky's like, "No, nah, he won." Like they just he's yeah. doing his own thing, and then. Honestly, like they have a pretty cool montage, you know, a tr- traditional kind of montage, and then they just put Meek Mill in there, and it's yeah. like the best thing uh, I think I saw that yeah, exactly. They that's what I was gonna say with yeah. with the music and everything else. It's perfectly balanced. Well, they'll play Meek Mill in the appropriate moment, and then they'll do straight up Rocky music. Yes. Like it's yes. just mm-hmm. I talk about balance a lot with movies because that's one of the hardest things to do. Because especially when you're given a property, Coogler had a lot of shit to be thinking about writing this, and it's the perfect 
like amount of homage and then new. Like, it, it really respects the Creed or the Rocky films yeah. and is it is aware yeah. of the plot being sort of a remake of yeah, the but, first but Rocky film. But it's not doing the same. Yeah, no, movie. exactly. It's not doing this the same is not thing. a yeah. Member Berries movie yeah. at all. <laughs> it's so striking how well they get that balance down. It, yeah, I've exactly. never seen anything like that. It works it on its own. But that self-awareness adds to yeah. the, the, the yeah, themes the, of legacy just, and... Yeah, there, there's tiny little things. Like, just like Rocky has his ball that he plays with and sometimes he does his like little shimmy thing and there's just tiny little like manners mm-hmm. and that's all you need you don't yeah. need anything else um, you know? one update for modern times uh, it was a directorial choice that I really appreciated was the usage of YouTube um, HBO sports documentary they, and they, ESPN they actually do that a little bit in Rocky Balboa if you really? remember this is this is it feels a bit better in this one this uh, uh, like I love the PTI discussion about oh yeah yeah that was really cool yeah and just, just like and just how he uses YouTube to watch his dad fighting and he, he yeah. shadow oh, boxes that was such a good it's, scene it's just perfect it's not shoving it in your face like this is modern times it's just how it would work like it was very real and i think you know because we're going to also talk about black panther i think i think the uh, the score is phenomenal it's it's ludwig uh goran yeah Yeah, i was was thinking about this Mm -hmm. whenever you guys were talking about the mixing of like classic sounds with updated sounds black Mm -hmm. panther does that same thing where we have like a score going on then we get that trap beat playing over top of it it's just like it's really really cool not too much not too little yeah exactly it's 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 crazy like it's crazy like just the level of like skill and like deafness that Cougar has on these movies is just, it's you, just uh, pure guys... entertainment too. yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and they're it's so great. rewatchable yeah do you guys want to get into a little bit of spoilers yeah, yes. spoil yeah. well before we go uh into spoilers i just want to say the one little scene that sort of encapsulates the whole film uh-huh. is when the little boy drives up in the in the mm-hmm. bike and he's like you're apollo creed son aren't you yeah that's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wheelie. else. Like, Pops uh, a wheelie awesome. in the sunset. This, I feel like they cut out some of the ATV stuff because I feel like that, that was like, the, if there's anything I have a problem with this movie, I'm like, I could use a little bit more of like that ATV because it, it's <laughs> just like, almost a little odd. Like for, uh, for I didn't care, but for people I've watched it with are always like, what's with the ATVs? I feel like that's maybe <laughs> they carve stuff out. That's it what it was It was just be. meant to just like show that these are just like the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. what just were, it's what you were talking about, yeah. the yeah. world building. Maybe I just wanted more of it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it, this, uh, let's just get into spoilers. And then yeah. yeah, let's let's well. get into spoilers. Go watch this movie. It's fucking it's great. It's great. Rocky. It genuinely... Even, okay, and also we should say, you don't have to watch the old Rocky movies to no, watch oh, this. Not like, at all. I know um, you don't. Colin has talked to me. He's just like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't watch Creed because I got to watch the old Rocky nope. movies first. You really nope. do not. Nope. Like, this is an yeah. independent story. Yeah. You can still appreciate the role you can even appreciate like Sylvester Stallone's Rocky performance because <laughs> it's it's very unique <laughs> it's very unlike anything that you see him do in the old Rocky movies anyway so it feels very new the way okay yeah. the just in his is well, emotional there's more impact. dramatic there's more he dramatic has more layers to him yeah, yeah. I think I, he has definitely more layers he's wiser yeah. yeah and also I think intentionally or not he does a great job of portraying someone who probably does have brain damage <laughs> 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 alright well on that note oh, let's get to spoilers well, he has, he has inter- in, internal damage because he gets cancer in the movie yeah, yeah. Which, straight so into let's, the spoilers. let's keep it quick so we can go into yeah. uh, Black Panther so that yeah. that was a great twist I did not see coming and it becomes uh, it becomes a great little plot point. Like it drives the schism between them, which, you know, if you've seen movies, there's got to be a split between yeah. the two who have the partnership and then they get back together in the end. That the way it was handled was a little 
bit tropey where I was kind of like, all right, where he's like, hey, man, I'm just a traitor. So it's all in our heads. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, and then that's he, a, that's one of the weaker scenes I think. Yeah, you don't entirely. But the performance before that line was like everything behind my life's behind me. Yeah. That's amazing. That yeah. You know? That and his whole thing about how he's just like, oh, you have to go through chemotherapy. And he's like, my wife tried that. That, that didn't help her. So that like, why would up. I even try? That was great. We, yeah. Just because that's a yeah. real thing that people think. They think just like, oh, well, I mean, my loved one had this had cancer. I, and they died. So like, why I, even try and go through? I this don't want to get a lot into it, but I, I have loved ones that have been in that exact situation. Yeah, that exact me too. Thing, so so it's I, like, it's fucking rough. Yeah, it's very Woo. effective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just I loved everything after that point with after they're they kind of come back together where they're just like we're gonna fight together i'm gonna mm-hmm. fight my fight and you're gonna fight if your I fight. fight you fight and yep. then one of the best montages you just, i've ever seen yeah ever. and him ever. him shadow boxing in the hospital room uh-huh. like while the nurse is like coming in changing rocky stuff that, i i ge- i genuinely wrote down i wanted to talk about specifically that moment because yeah. it's just so it's such a little tiny real thing where like the nurse comes in she's like laughing like haha it's yeah. just a second and yeah, it adds, it's, it's so great it adds I real love life that to the movie. yeah what's you know the original rocky i think it's it's i you know i can't i wasn't born in the 70s but it does feel uh for the most part kind of granted authentic and just that this is just about like a rocking the first movie is a loser that's just he's mm-hmm. a bum you know that's what they keep calling him but then like when it transitions to the boxing and the training it becomes a more of a heightened thing yeah this movie is seamless in like the way they they marry the both of those two things together mm-hmm. yeah i also yeah. i i love how he's handled in philly among philly it's just like a fu- like yeah i loved the tessa thompson scene because it almost threw me off a little bit when she's uh, up in the window yeah. And, yeah. yeah and she's like when are we gonna tell me that your uncle's fucking yeah, rocky and it's like oh yeah everyone knows this guy uh-huh. <laughs> that's my dad's favorite he's a hero scene. it's so good it's man. really great <laughs> Yeah, yeah so he, I, he, he gets cancer. As oh, are you gone? I yeah. think uh, the whole cancer subplot uh, could have easily been something that comes off as tacked on. Yeah, and, yeah, and tacky also, and, and unnecessary if, just if you, to add drama. If you all have seen the first trailer, it's in that, and I was like, oh, that looks tacked on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but the way the yeah. way it plays in the film, it it really it is essential to uh, to mm-hmm. uh, Creed to Donnie learning the the lesson about embracing his heritage yeah mm-hmm. and but he, also moving beyond it in a way because he also has his other name on those trunks at the end mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah right. and it's it's he's he needs to realize that rocky has gone through all of these years like we we see a man who I mean, you mentioned it before. the The whole line yeah. about my life Everything is behind me. He loved is gone, and now he's just exactly. Still here, so he's know? a he's a man who doesn't have much to live for. Yeah, and Creed understanding that puts everything into perspective to everything that he knows he needs to accomplish mm-hmm. and why he is risking so much because boxing is so fucking crazy <laughs> to put yourself in that position where you're getting the that, shit beat out of that you. makeup with the bloody eye in mm-hmm. the beginning. oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like there has to be a damn good reason for you to do this yeah yeah because it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah she, she says like you, you've been to school you don't need this life I yeah think he says at some point yeah yeah uh, i think you know i would almost say that you know pretty ricky conley is pretty extraneous to the movie because he's on another continent but the the, the the antagonist in the movie is creed himself trying to overcome his own problems and so that's that, what, the, that's about, you what know? the message is is that he says you like you're fighting yourself out there like yeah. that's the biggest enemy out there is you yeah. he's just in your way but exactly. you're fighting you and the probably the biggest through line with Fruitvale and creed is that michael b jordan is playing a guy who's generally good but then just has like a, a snap thing where he just goes like he has to fight 
Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's handled extremely well because, I mean, he it's shown why that is the case because he grew up in the juvie system. Right. Where you and kind of gonna have to fight. And to that point, I think that we've been talking a lot about heritage and everything. And I just, I love the whole message of this movie where it's about... It's about embracing your legacy and your heritage, but don't let that define who you are. Don't. You still are your own person. Yeah. You are not just Apollo Creed's clone, like yeah. just his younger clone. You are yourself, but at the same time, appreciate and love where you came yeah. from. Yeah, Bianca said it. She was like, don't live in a shadow, but also use the name. It's yours. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like- and, and I think that's what makes, one of the things that makes this the best of the three films is because Michael B. Jordan's performance is defined by that inner struggle Mm -hmm. and more so than, uh, um, you know, a boy in Oakland just trying to get by and live a crime free life Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, whatever's going on. We'll get to Killmonger. Uh, Creed (laughs) is, there's so much complexity there and he is, aware of it in every detail of his performance there in every also, single scene there are some in. very uh poetic elegant lines in the movie one mm-hmm. that just like sticks with me always is like uh you know like creed was talking to rocky in the very beginning of the diner he's like why did uh how'd you beat him and like uh rocky goes no time beat him it's undefeated and that just Oof. says so much yeah. about where rocky is in that moment it's just it's yeah this yeah. this it has the perfect amount of of cheese which is like not even it's barely any but it's yeah. just enough that every line is perfect yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> it feels more I, I kind of find it interesting with black panther this definitely feels from fruitvale to creed to black panther he's becoming more more operatic and heightened in his movies obviously culminating with the the fucking cat superhero movie but yeah. like in this one it's like a very it's larger than life but also keeping that kind of authenticity that just is such a such a shockingly well done combination mm-hmm. you know? yeah are right, you guys want to get to it any final thoughts um, yeah let's go ahead and get to it the ending scene in creed anything. is amazing uh, when they're walking oh yeah you haven't it's seen the original so i know that though yeah, yeah but like i just love the change of angle it's just a completely different <laughs> mood and atmosphere yeah. about it and, and then just and taking... rocky's like also there's a moment um where he michael b george or creed goes there by himself and he sees the tourists take the picture with the statue and if you go to Philly and you go to that museum it's and you there. visit those steps, mm-hmm. not only is that statue there, but those steps are full of people all taking yeah. that picture. I'm going to do it one day. There's yeah, dozens, <laughs> there's dozens of people uh, and, and you know, you get to that final scene yeah. and there's nobody there. Which is really cool. There is nobody there and it's just these two guys just trying to get up these steps yeah, and Rocky like can barely even do but it. But he does it. He's does still, it. I, I also love, I think the last fight's pretty phenomenal. I think the other one's better, the one shot, but just the, the emotional stakes when he gets his fucking jaw smashed yeah, and hits the ground. That point in the fight where all the lights dim down, it's yes, just like a yeah. spotlight on each of them. I, that I was, was really cool. Yeah, yeah it was I, really, yeah, really I, awesome. I love the part where he's on the ground and he's like seeing all of his memories and just that that deafening silence in that scene where mm-hmm. you just see like all of the old memories of mm-hmm. his entire life and then like, you know, the the, the old footage like, of Creed and he just shoots like up possessed. and just the silence in that scene is so powerful. And that's when the Rocky score kicks yeah. in. It, go, it goes after because then he's like, I don't want to be a mistake. Okay. And then Rocky yeah. was like, go, go get up there and kick his those, ass and then those, it hits. To talk in scenes, man. Yeah, to talk a little bit more about uh, those scenes in particular, I love the way that it's shot in that it goes back and forth between being like almost a 
uh, over the shoulder kind of camera looking at the other person. And then also you get kind of a telecast looking thing where yeah. you even have like the timer in the yeah. bottom, like yeah. round three, two and a half minutes left or whatever yeah. like that. Exactly. And then also in between each rounds, it escalates as the fight goes to them just like spitting out blood and uh, like people just coming in there, just like stapling the, their the quick, eyes the quick and cuts. everything. Yeah, like yeah, a quick yeah. cut like, of like blood just, hitting a uniform. Yeah, it's this, so cool. That's my closing thought about this movie. It's, it's one of the better it's movies visceral. I've seen. It has the best fight scenes I've ever seen. If not the best, my favorites, where it's yeah. just like, this is perfect. I, I really I think that this is, I think by a healthy margin, the best fighting movie that I've ever and it, seen. And it elevates what you think a boxing movie should be or what you think a Rocky movie should be. Just a sports movie in yeah. general. Just the way that it shoots these powerful, visceral scenes. You feel like you are right there in the action. And, and, you are in the ring. And the them. best sports movies aren't really about the sports as much no. as mm-hmm. the people's personal quest yes. through them. I think this Definitely. has got the best. It's my yeah. favorite movie ever. I cool. just love All it. Right. You know. So, right. welcome back if you skipped over that. I <laughs> um, should not have, but... <laughs> but now we're going to get into a little little movie that's just... It's just barely cracking the box office yeah, this it's week. Great. He goes from Creed straight back to another indie movie, you know? Yeah, yeah just right back there. This wow. is a film that's just like really struggling to make back its budget this week. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, it's going to be tough. able to yeah, do it. We don't just, know. It, to get a hint at the budget, how the budget's doing, I went to, yesterday I went to like a 10.30 show in the morning and it, it was sold out. I <laughs> I got I bought a ticket for the very front row and I sat there for a second and I left. Yeah, it no, was, I, it's, that's and incredible. then today I went to another 10.30 show and I got in the second row. <laughs> When and you, I just, I was like, I'll do it's, it. It's tough. I mean, it's only making back about $218 million on its <laughs> opening, opening weekend. opening weekend, $218? Yeah. I thought it was $192. That's, a, well, that's what it's heading towards. Think, yeah, yeah. I okay. think that it was at 192 probably last night, but now it's, it, that wasn't accounting for Sunday's estimate. So today and tomorrow now is a holiday, so they're going to come Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. All right, so, so yeah, Black Panther. Uh, the 18th MCU <laughs> entry. You can oh now God. smoke cigarettes. The MCU can now get those sweet nicotine bumps. So that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, can, it can buy a gun. That's it okay, can buy it, a gun. But let's... it can't buy liquor. Okay, so since this movie was just released, I don't want to really talk about anything in the plot because this movie does take some twists and turns. It does. So before we get into plot, anything that happens, I just kind of want to talk about like overall vibes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I I just want to say I think that. This movie is amazing. I think that mm-hmm. it's I, I think it might be my favorite Marvel movie. Whoa. Honestly. Wow. All right. I honestly Hot think that it might be just because it has the emotional core that no other Marvel movie has. And not only that, it feels uniquely Coogler. Just like in I felt like in Thor Ragnarok we got a little taste of that where there were some moments that felt very Taika Waititi. But it was like half baked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got about half of the movie that was very Taika and then the other half was just kind of Disney generic villain product. In this movie, not only do we get, I think, the best villain. I know that there are some Loki heads out no, there. No, it's not. No. But. <laughs> no. I know that there are no, Loki no, not, heads not, out there. Not, not Loki. Like, it's clearly Killmonger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we've never it's, had an actor like Michael say. B. Jordan. Clearly. I was getting really tired of how Marvel treats most of its villains, and this solved it this, this is yeah. just like there turns out you hire michael b jordan yeah but just get <laughs> michael b jordan solution. to play hey, every man, character don't hold your breath for uh josh no. brolin for, yeah, for, God, that looks, we're gonna yeah. go back to cgi bad guy yeah, again. you never like, cared about in the first place that's <laughs> the problem i yeah that that's a whole other discussion but I boy, just, they're gonna have problems with that movie I, I i it was interesting after leaving this movie um i was getting very james bond vibes mm-hmm. from this like mm. really, really bad. And then I actually just like Googled like 
Black Panther, James Bond, or something like that. And it was interesting. Ryan Coogler was actually asked, um, whenever Disney came to him with a the product, they asked, like, we want you to make a James Bond movie as Black Panther. Like, that's kind of the cool. vibe that we want. And cool. that comes through in, like... Especially, especially in South Korea. Yeah, especially in the South Korea scenes. And even with some of the stuff, uh, whenever we go to Wakanda, with the whole, like, the all the gadgets and yeah, everything, and that's what playing with say. all the toys and everything like that. Like, it's very Bond-esque. But at the same time, it feels very real and i think that it doesn't appropriate at any point i think that uh it's the opposite everything <laughs> every, well not just with the cast itself but even with uh the tribal people that we meet in wakanda it feels real and not offensive in any way mm-hmm. all right overall thoughts harry i uh will see i'm you know y'all might be thinking i'm coming here on my marvel grind i'm on the creed grind here like how does it stack <laughs> up how does it stack up to creed which again is my favorite movie so that's how, like, when i found out like ryan cooper was making black panther i kind of like shut off my brain i was like i can't even i'm not like like, i can't get too hyped because it could be a thing it's like okay they just take some bits from the director but make it more of like a factory thing i my heart couldn't handle that Mm -hmm. i was kind of like i'm just gonna i've really kind of not been like amped for black panther because i didn't know what to expect Mm. but now i've seen it uh i definitely think it is absolutely cougar's movie through and through i don't i'm i don't see a single bit of like disney touching this you know the script is more of an action movie because that's what it is Mm -hmm. but like in that in that regard I think it's entirely his, and I, I, I can't think of anything I didn't like about it. I'm gonna see it again tonight. I want to think about it more. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, it, it's. I think it's probably the best solo movie, uh, single character movie. Uh, I'm just comparing it to like Iron Man, Cap. Iron Man, Cap, Thor, and I love Iron Man and Cap movies, and Cap movie a lot more than you guys do. I know that for a fact. But yeah. like, it's just this is just like there's nothing. It's a great, great, great movie, and I think the real thing to talk about it is just. The best character movie is is Wakanda. That's mm-hmm. why I think is like jaw dropping every single scene. It's like you made because that was always my fears. Like I don't, I almost didn't want to see a Black Panther movie because Wakanda is one of the craziest, most beautifully designed ideas mm-hmm. in, in, in comics. And like I did not expect to see that in a good way on the big screen. We saw that with Asgard. It's like a backdrop more than an actual place. Mm-hmm. And, and Ryan Coogler made an entire world that is incredibly distinct and new and fresh and i think it's just like a, a, an unbelievable job that he did yeah i i mean that's that's all i can say as well <laughs> like it's so well built it's a well constructed movie through and through mm-hmm. um it's m- more dramatic than i was thinking it's less humorous than most marvel movies oh absolutely but the drama is not as hollow as it is in the earlier thor movies it it really it carries more weight for me like I'm, yeah. i really gave a shit I love that it's standalone for the most part. I love that it's... There's nothing there. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that it's just its own thing geographically and yeah. cinematically. I, I only counted one callback to the Marvel movies, which is when... Um, well, I, I guess I can't... I guess it would technically spoiler. be a spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler, when Letitia Wright, uh, Shuri, when she's like, they're bringing in Martin Freeman, and she's like, oh, you brought me another broken white boy to fix. And at the oh, time, yeah. I'm like... Who's it's, the other? But it's very low key. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Who's the other broken very white boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then find, that, that's that's it. That's yeah, all. That's, exactly. It's, it's no very, reference to anything else. I, it's very independent. I was just. I was. It, I had heard obviously everything in the world good about this movie. I didn't read a full length review. Obviously, I didn't want to spoil. But I, you know, I, you see headlines, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and it's still it, it exceeded my expectations. I think I'm still on your train. I did like Creed a bit more, but. This is a Marvel movie. It has so many moving parts. It's just mind-boggling. I this is the type 
Marvel movies are the type of project I would never want to take on, no matter what stage of my career I'm in. It's just too much. (laughs) And Kukor's 31 years old. He's younger than like 90% of his actors in the movie. And he just nails it. It, feel, again. it feels effortless. How he, many moving parts in the movie too? Like yeah. just so much, you know. Every that's usually even with great directors, there's something I can be an asshole about <laughs> and just be like, yeah, but but this is just a really good movie. It's in my. I don't know. I'm gonna see it again. I don't want to call it number one. It's in my top five Marvel movies. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I the biggest thing that it did right that it corrected is the villain for me. Yeah. I love a good villain that you care about and that you see their perspective and where they're coming from and what's happened to them. So this movie definitely put into clarity and I, I didn't mean to cut you off on this one, Ernest, but like, I think this movie definitely shows that for Chaw- Chawick Bosman definitely has the, um, the, the Batman problem where he is a stoic character surrounded by more interesting people. Yeah. Uh, I yes, think he does great. Yes, I, think I agree he, with that. I think completely. he's very solid. I think he does very well, but definitely when you look at all the characters around him and that's just a structure of the story. I don't think that's Bosman's I fault. Agree. That happens with a lot of yeah. uh, heroic protagonists. Yeah, and that's one of my main nitpicks with the film Mm -hmm. is I think Chadwick Boseman is probably the least interesting person in the film. Uh, He is kind of overshadowed pretty much everywhere in every scene. Um, (laughs) There is very little to make me uh, care about the, the weight of his character when there's so many other players in the film that are absolutely killing it. Um, but we'll get into spoilers about the yeah. details between uh, with this take. But overall, I really, really love this movie, and there's a lot that I want to get into with spoilers. Um, <laughs> with because I have I have a lot of yeah. I have a lot of, of nitpicks yeah. with this movie, but I do think that it is one of the better MCU movies, and I think that it is trying to really. Um, change like what these movies are about uh, or what they can be about yes. because when you think of something like Guardians of the Galaxy like what is that movie about you know is it about like misfits trying to like have a good time and like kick some ass about getting cool. the same feeling you have like listening to like a mixtape in your car and that's fine but yeah, like, there's not a lot there exactly ultimately. so so what this movie is doing it, it's it's trying to make a political statement 